Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Hey, the best day of the week is back. Welcome to Tuesday. Welcome to the Wise Guys, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. Again, here we are so far away from football season with so much football to talk about tonight. When, when there's transfer portal stuff going on a year round, it seems like, um, and recruiting seems like it's year round. There's always some football or basketball news going on, and that's in addition to all the sports that are kind of in their tournaments and all that right now. But but there's always it seems like there's always football news to talk about. So we're going to talk about some football news and some basketball news today again. So we say hi on our global live stream. Uh, go to YouTube, hit subscribe, follow us there. YSGuys.com is our hub. That's where all our interviews are. We are about 52 weeks into this show. Do you believe we've done a show for almost 52 times? So we've even done some like like you did a show remote from Vegas when you were yeah. hosting. I've done a show from Hawaii. like And New York. Yeah, I did a show from New York. I did a show from Boston. The show must go on. That's the what they say. The show must go on. It's like, where's Waldo? But the show <laughs> goes on, right? And with this format, it's it's easy to do. So, hey, re- remember, when you go to YouTube, subscribe, yeah. right? Because that, that helps us. We get those numbers up. Helps us continue to do this. Also, if you subscribe to at ysguys.com, if you subscribe, and by the way, all these subscriptions are free, right? Yeah, for sure. If you subscribe there, then you then you get our weekly email, which has highlights from the show. So you can just click on links just to the, the best highlights of the show. Um, past interviews with folks like Danny Ainge and Marie Osmond, Jim Fredette, Ty Detmer, Kyle Mark Van Pope. Noy, Mark Pope, um, Dennis. P- I mean, I'm just, we can go on and on and on, right? Cause there've been great guests on this show every week. Um, so you, you know, you can, you can go back and look at any of those. Um, also you'll get updates if we go live with anything, if there's something special going on during the week, we get an update and says, Hey, they're going live right now. And you can, and you can listen in. So, so those two things, subscribe at YouTube, make sure you do that. Um, and subscribe to ysguys.com so we can loop on everything that we do. Right, and if, if for no other reason, it's because we're nice. Yes. Just subscribe because you like us. That's right. And that'll that'll help us build this show. The very first guest on this show was Dick Harmon. Yes. Of the Deseret News. First, for a reason. 12 months ago, and now he's back tonight, and we've got so much football to talk about. 52 weeks later. Can you believe that? A and, year and, and later. That he, that he, one, he, w- he recovered from coming on the show, and then he was willing to come back. So here's the question. Have we had anybody else twice? I don't... Uh, just Max Hall. Just Max, the winningest quarterback Max in BYU history. Max Hall is history. the only other guest we've ever had on twice. Yeah. That tells you all you need to know about what we think about Dick Harmon right there. So we got a lot of questions, and we encourage you to send yours in on the live stream wherever you are in the world, and we'll tackle it, football, basketball, and and everything in between. So that's coming up here in just a couple of seconds. Yeah. So we're going to talk BYU football with, with Dick Harmon. He's in the green room already. Yeah. So he's ready to roll. So um, and, and then the NFL schedule, we're going to talk about that. Uh, the biggest games for former Cougars. Yeah. it's it, We all know the schedule. We're going to hone in on... Well, the, the games that matter now, like yeah. when does when does when does Fred Warner try to tackle Taysom Hill? Yeah. Some of that, or stuff. Tyler Algier, for or that Tyler matter. Algier. Right. So, uh, and women's volleyball and women's soccer, the Big Twelve schedules are out. Yep. we're going to break those down a bit later on. It's so cool 
to look and see that that here it is. You yeah. know, the, these are the teams and and Jen Rockwood. We uh, we had some had a hip replacement surgery today, so she's on the mend and she'll be joining the show shortly uh, when she feels better. And she said she's got to be at full speed for the season. So they just got back from Europe. She's having that done, and uh, and then the soccer team will be rolling. So I, and I have to say. Our, uh, the women's programs at BYU, and we've had all, all the coaches on. Gordon Eakins from from the softball program, and of course Jen's been on 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 with us, and we've talked to her offline uh, on multiple occasions. And and uh, women's volleyball has been so competitive. Those sports are ready to go into the Big Twelve, and I think Jen was the first one that we had on when we said, "Is your program the most ready to go into the Big 12? And without hesitation, Jen went. Well, we expect to go in and compete for a championship in that league day one. Yeah. Like, she did, makes no bones about it. And you know what? She's right. It's a nationally relevant program. It's a top 10, and some years a top five. Hey, in some years, some years they play in the national championship game. game. So they're, they're not afraid at all. And I, I think that's the case for women's volleyball. I think that's the case for women's soccer. I think that's the case for softball, where these programs expect to go in and compete on day one, which is really cool. If you're dialed in on BYU social media here on this Tuesday, there's a, there's a few things going on. There's a targeted receiver, Keelan Marion, who's in town. He played at UConn, and then BYU was targeting him in the portal. He decided to go to East Carolina, then he changed his mind. This morning he decommitted, got on a plane, and, and, uh, and, and now BYU's got an opportunity to get him. Uh, here's a guy who was injured last year, got hurt against Utah State, played in five games. He was exceptional, led the team in receptions and yards as a freshman at UConn. And uh, how could a guy like this fit into what they've already got? Well, the, this receiving core just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And we've been talking about this in the last few weeks. Um, we knew that BYU had a couple of more scholarships available for receivers right um and so we knew they were still shopping for receivers that remember he was a guy that early on byu targeted him as one of their top portal guys this is a guy that's got well i think he has nfl potential really right so he could immediately be one of the best receivers on the roster so um and frankly when you have a guy with that kind of talent even if you if if all of a sudden the defensive end well let's not even say defensive end let, let let's say a position where, where we all feel like BYU is pretty pretty stacked let let's say on the offensive line they look like they're pretty solid there and pretty deep there so they're not out hunting for another offensive lineman but if an offensive lineman that's an NFL talent all of a sudden comes available and indicates some interest in BYU oh you find a scholarship for that guy so you can't be too deep with that kind of talent. He's that kind of talent. He immediately makes BYU better if they can get him. What's interesting, too, are these, these last two, if, if he comes and then you got Darius Lassiter, uh, who's already here, um, these guys are young guys. They're not seniors with one last blast. Uh, they join a group that has, well, no seniors, right? Right. Epps is young. Roberts is young. Keanu Hill's a junior. Rex is a junior. Even if he stays for another year, he's got two years. Uh, and then he, So it's not about just... Oh my gosh! Here comes the Big Twelve. It's you know there's going to be a second year in the Big Twelve, right? And then a third year, and and you just need guys. And, and Laster has an interesting an interesting story. We talked about him last week, but um, he comes with two years of eligibility. But there's a chance he could get a third. And and the the behind the scenes story is he played one play one of his years in junior college, a play. 
It was a play where a player's helmet came off and they threw him in almost inadvertently. That's the only play he played. Now, the rules around junior college versus and Division One football now, you can play up to four games and still keep your red shirt. Junior college, you play one play, you're done. But but the nature of the way that occurred would, would lend itself to some type of appeal to see if he could get that year back. Right, so it's not big. out of the question that he could have three years. So two for sure and maybe three. And he's very, very talented. He's, he's a baller. So, and And... These guys fit in to the culture of BYU, and they want to be here. So I'm getting more and more bullish all the time on this wide receiving crew. Well, this, let's talk this about This is shaping up to look like a Big 12 receiving core now. And so is the running back room. Oh, yes. And uh, before we get to that, a shout-out. Earl uh, is uh, with us from – I'm looking to see where he's from. And Mike's from Texas. Uh, Gerald's from Fresno. A couple of our early guys. Earl's from Davis County. Uh Thanks for listening. Yeah, Mike, Mike, watching. Mike Z, just me. He's not, like, Earl was the first one on tonight. Yeah. He was the first one. He made to, a point to, of that, to too. In. He said, we first got one you, Earl. <laughs> um, so we got Earl. Mike, Mike Z, just me. He's on every week. We appreciate him. Um, yeah, Gerald Higginbotham watching from Fresno. Yeah, good, good, loyal folks that join us every week. We appreciate you very much. Let us know where you're watching from on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and YSGuys.com. The Cougars signed running back Dion Smith from the transfer portal last week. Deion Smith is six feet tall. He's 190 pounds, was Colorado's leading rusher last season. Now, Colorado was among the worst teams in the country, but he was the leading rusher last season with 393 yards, three touchdowns, despite missing a game with an injury. I look to see, well, what's his best game? Where, what, what did he do when he was full strength? He went uh, 24 carries, 111 yards, and a touchdown against Arizona State, and he wants to be at BYU. I'm like, all right. So here he comes. What does he bring to the room? So, so he brings some, some what I would call uh, ability to make people miss. Um, he can run inside or, or outside. And haven't we not learned in the last couple of years with BYU that you cannot be too deep at running back? Can't be too deep. No. It's a position where, unfortunately, because you're taking a pounding, um, injuries are common. And you can't have a huge drop-off when you're number one goes down and so he joins Aiden Robbins let's think about this running back room Aiden Robbins Hinkley Ropati um LJ Martin Miles, LJ Martin may be the x-factor yeah, guy uh, yeah, he freshman could, yeah exact Miles Davis Soljay Maeva is like Peters is playing some running back in certain positions also playing some slot um and so I mean that that's just to name a few but but I, I love this idea of a one, two, three, four punch. Ropati showed us that he can be effective. His big issue was never um, that he didn't have the skill to make people miss and to run downhill and to catch balls out of the backfield. In practice, he was having a lot of problems securing the football. Well, his body of work in games now is enough that they all of a sudden go, well, we can trust him. with. He's not turning the ball over in, in games, in real-life situations. He's taking care of it in practice. So he's a weapon that we didn't know was going to be a weapon. I think he's a Big 12 running back. Miles Davis, you know, finally getting healthy. Um, and so but between between those four, Deion Smith, um, who, who they just signed, Aiden Robbins, who's a 1,000-yard rusher, and we mentioned this. And he's before. 6'3", 230. The, and I'll, I'll come back to this, and we've said this before. To me, the greatest compliment for Aiden Robbins that we've heard comes from Kelly Papinga, who says... We knew he was their go-to guy. We knew he was going to get 20-plus touches. Our entire game plan was we are not going to let that guy 
go for 100 yards against us. When, when, and Boise State was a top 20 defense last year. And guess what Aiden Robbins did? He went over 100 on him. He goes, that dude is a legit big-time back. And he did not have the pieces around him at UNLV that he's going to have around him at BYU. So I expect him to be really productive. I expect Deion Smith to be really productive. He's going to have better people around him than Colorado had, right? Yeah. And and, and I expect Miles Davis to be a big-time contributor. I expect Ropati to be a contributor. You, know, you mentioned L.J. Martin, who's a youngin with lots of skill. We're, we're going to see four or five running backs play, and I think they all measure up to being Big 12-type talent. Shout out to Thomas from Goldendale, Washington. John from Harriman. Curling Guy from West Jordan also has a question. He says, hey, all the skill positions depend on the line. How deep is the O-line? The offensive line may be the deepest on the team. When he's a curling guy, is this like you talk about the, like we were take the brushes and you brush it? Because he knows... It might be it might be curling. Well, no, I think I think he means like curling in the Olympics. like he knows that the dude that pushes the rock doesn't really matter. It's the guys with the brushes. That's the O line, right? <laughs> the O line the O line got O-line's, beefed up with yeah. the Oklahoma State transfer. Uh, the uh, Weber State transfer. Yeah. Um and it, it it's yeah, it's it's looking it's good. When I look at that first that first um five especially, and you need depth at that position, the, I look at that first five. And I feel really good about them competing out there with uh, uh, Kingsley uh, Suamataia, who will likely start at left tackle. He's a future, if he stays healthy and continues to progress. He's projected like number nine. First round draft pick. Next year. Eddie's been a a starting left tackle in the Big 12 for the last three years. He's probably going to start at that right tackle. Pay is is an NFL caliber center. You know, you've got... There's just so much um, in, in that core, and then multiple guys that can play um, and at those guard positions. A couple of transfers that are helping. I, I not only do I feel good about the starting five on that offensive line, I also feel really good about the depth on the offensive line. And then let's not forget about Miley transferring down right. from Utah. So you're another P five starter that's likely going to start at that left guard position. They're loaded on the offensive line. They're going to push some people around. We're ready to play. Let's talk bowl games. Big 12. This week it was announced they'll have seven guaranteed bowl games this year in addition to any college football playoff games. So if if one gets in there, now all of a sudden you got eight. Um, If you remember, BYU was slated to go play in the Independence Bowl again before joining the Big 12. So as CBS's Brent McMurphy tweeted, for this year only the Independence Bowl is coming into the Big 12 family. And it'll be the Big 12 against the Pac-12 right. in the Independence Bowl. And he projects BYU will play Washington State in that game. And, of course, Cougar Nation's like, no, anything but Shreveport. And it could be Shreveport if BYU's down near the bottom at just bowl eligibility barely, uh, or, there, or there are other options. But at, at least eight, got to figure. Seven for sure. And if Texas or Oklahoma or TCU is back in that Final Four area, that's a lot of teams going to bowl games from the same yeah, league. And, and so I think what BYU wants to do is they want to say, okay, the Independence Bowl, that needs to be our lowest goal, right? Um, we need to play well enough to play up beyond that so that we're in one of the first four or five bowls and, and not in the Independence Bowl again um, this year. But but that's the, that's the baseline. Uh, for BYU. Yeah. If they get six wins, they're probably in. in and there the are some bowl. ESPN bowls. They're going to be more in the eight teams from the Big right. 12 going to bowl games if they're eligible. I mean, the whole league could go to a bowl game if they're bowl eligible. The thing is that they're not going to all be bowl eligible because someone's got to get wins from somebody else. Yep. But, hey, uh, hey, but look. Um, yeah, I, I feel like 
That's the baseline. And I feel like six, they, they can get to. My expectation is seven or eight this first year. Hey, and Ruthie5358, uh, she says, we're watching from Harriman, and we love the show. You guys are the best. When she puts love in all caps, she's getting on the mention. That makes me feel she's love. Getting Ruthie, you just went, Thanks, you Ruthie. Just went up. Thanks for the love with all caps. So <laughs> Here are the bowl game situations for the Big 12. And Dick Harmon's going to join us here in just a moment. Uh, college football playoff, is, if selected. The New Year's Six will get the conference champion. Then you got the Alamo Bowl against the Pac-12. The Cheez-It Bowl against the ACC. The Texas Bowl against the SEC. Liberty Bowl against the SEC. The Guaranteed Rate Bowl against the Big Ten. And the Independence Bowl against the Pac-12. If BYU gets bowl eligible... They'll have a run then of 11 P5 opponents next year. Right, and, and yeah, note, note every single one of those bowl games is a P5 yeah. versus a P5. It's a, diff, it's a different world right now. and No, no more that's of this. That's the world yeah, we've dreamt of being the, in. That's the world we've dreamt. Me, I want the Cheez-It Bowl because a couple of people get that Cheez-It suite. <laughs> we talked about this last fall. They have, they have a Cheez-It suite at the hotel that somebody gets to stay in. And I, if we're going to go down and cover that game, I want to stay in the cheese it suite. John Crowder, let me answer your question. Yes, we'll be completely involved, as we always have been, in pregame, postgame, and uh, and we believe some live production games as well. Uh, it just, uh, everything will be on BYU TV, but the games themselves, they're going to be on ESPN Plus or Fox or ESPN or FS1. Um, and so, uh, yeah, everything that you've enjoyed from BYU TV with the exception of the live game itself, will continue and be bigger and better right. so than that, ever. So, and we're, good we, question. We, we kick off after further review shows in July. Yeah. Right. We'll start previewing and looking back and, and doing those kinds of things. Those those will be, uh, as, as as always, maybe a little bit bigger. And then the game day shows will be two-hour pre-games and hour post-games. Uh, um, so those will all be where they've been. And where we come in on any live opportunities that we're going to have, it would likely be in the ESPN platform of yep. games, the third-tier games. Um, we may pro- provide the production. So it would be a little bit different because we'd be doing it and taking care of the broadcast with it the just, quality that you're used to, but it would air on ESPN+. Yeah. Plus. Be an ESPN logo in the corner right. instead of BYU TV. Right. So that's the and, and we don't believe we'll have to read a Budweiser commercial. We, st- we still think we'll be void of that, but you just never know in today's yeah, new and world. You, everybody knows that you like Miller Lite anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right, right now I'm on sugar-free orange crush mix is, that you put wait, in water. That's what mo- I got going is it on. The, is Dos Equis a beer or what is it? I don't know. Because that guy's that the is, most interesting it? man in the world. I think I thought they did. I thought they killed him off. They killed the most. Interesting When's the last man time the you've world? seen him? When's the last time you've oh seen him? Oh my god, DJ! Did they take off the most interesting classic man commercials? In the world? I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know. He was I, old to begin with. I, maybe he just kept living. Well, he was interesting. So. Anyway, we're looking forward <laughs> to it. Hello, Tucson. It's good to have you with us, uh, and uh, and everybody yeah, as Neil we Jones launch into the show. All right, let's talk about some NFL rookie contracts. Jaron Hall. Yes. Uh, has signed a four-year, $4.1 million with a $280,000 signing bonus. The other two are projections from overthecap.com. The thing with these draft picks is, is as you get in the later rounds, you're pretty much, this was your number, this is what you get. Right. There's not like an, an eighth rounder suddenly going to come up with first-round money. That's no. just not how it works. Yeah, and so Puka Nakua estimated four-year, $4 million, so very, very similar to Jaron's. Um, two hundred forty-four thousand nine hundred eighty, and he was a fifth-round pick, Sign, like Jaron. Signing bonus, and then Blake Freeland, a four-year, four point six five million dollar. Remember, earlier pick, and so it's the upfront money that's a difference. 
And and the reports are that eight hundred and fifteen thousand eight hundred and eighty eight dollar signing bonus. That's some nice money to do. Hey, hey, all of that's nice money. All that's right? nice money. The key is to get to your next contract. Like so, Michael Davis, for example, the Chargers. He's making seven million this season. Yeah. Exactly. Covering guys well, he's, in the he's, a, he's a proven commodity. You just get your second contract and, and Fred, keep Fred, living. Fred Warner, let's call him a proven commodity. That's a, that's a Has whole he got a billion dollars? Is that what his contract a is, a billion dollars? That's a different deal. But now, keep in mind, there are a lot of people that go, and Jaron Hall ought to come back and take advantage of the NIL money. Yeah. Well. Not if pre- you're going to get drafted. He had a pretty good information that he was going to be, he, and he knew he was going to be a fourth or fifth rounder. Yeah. He, 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 he goes in that exact time frame. And it's a $4.1 million deal or $280,000 signing bonus. And because he's drafted, and I love his situation, chances are he's going he's gonna to stick there and he's going to make that money. That was not a bad decision. Can we, no. can we all agree? I think we can all agree. It's working out for him. Yeah. Saw some video of him throwing in a Vikings uniform. It just felt right. Yes, it does. And, it, and you know, we watched Keaton Slovis throw the ball around all spring. It's felt that right. felt right. Yeah. I love the fact that... that Jaron's going to get a chance to learn from Cousins. Yeah. And that's that's going to be such a good thing. NFL preseason schedule, by the way, for Jaron is at Seattle, and the, that's a date that's still undetermined. It's going to be in that first week. Uh, and then they host the Titans on August 19th, and then they host the Cardinals on August 26th. So Jaron will get two home games and a road game in the preseason. Yeah, we'll likely see plenty of him. Puka with the Rams, August 12th, um, Chargers. August 19th uh, versus the Raiders, and then August 26th at the Broncos. If that was a regular season game, then Davis would guard Puka. Yeah. But Davis isn't going to be near the field. Limited reps. First Very game. limited reps. Blake Freeland and the Colts, August 12th at the Bills. Uh, the 19th, they got the Bears. And the 24th, they're over at Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Now, we looked at a couple of early regular season matchups because right. the schedule came out last Thursday uh, since our last broadcast. And we thought, well... Early on, which games do we want to watch because of Cougars? Right, Cougs playing Cougs, right? Yeah. So we'll start with September 10th, the Cardinals at the Commanders. you got Tyson Williams going against Dax Milne. Yep, and then September 17th, 49ers at the Rams. There you have Fred Warner and Puka Nakua. Yeah, that's... Now, if I'm Puka... I'm avoiding Fred. Well, let me just say, if Fred's in the middle, don't cross the middle. <laughs> yeah. That's all I have to say just about that. Run, Puka, run. Yeah. Next day, September 18th, the Saints at the Panthers. That's Taysom Hill. And how about Taysom and Jamal being together? Yeah. That's fun. So Taysom and Jamal will go against Brady Christensen. How many times have we seen them run that read option at oh. the goal line at BYU? Am I going to give it to Jamal? Am I going to keep it? Am I going to throw it? And we will see that a lot with the Saints. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. That game, the Saints-Panthers, Brady's, like, these are all regular, these are starters contributors. Like, even yeah. if you don't, Taysom's maybe not a starter, but he really is. And and, and he might start at tight end. It just right. depends on what they're doing. And, and then Jamal and Brady, they're big-time contributors, so that'll be a fun one. Also on the 18th, the Browns at the Steelers, Sione Takitaki, who pre-injury, big-time starter. And now he's targeted as a starter right. at nose. And then, and, then, uh, and then Chris Wilcox. Um, with the Steelers. so And then September 24th, the Chargers play at the Vikings. That's Michael Davis and Kyrus, against Kyrus Tonga and Jaron Hall. We throw Jaron Hall in there. If he's in on the field, something terrible has yeah, gone wrong not, with the Vikings. It's not as planned. But, but, uh, but, but he'll be, be there. Kyrus will be out there and Michael Davis will be out there. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So. And then there are a couple of notable games. Yeah, that's right. No, let's start with November 26th. That's the Saints at the Falcons. That's Hill Williams against Tyler Algier. That's a must-see TV. How about that Falcons draft a running back? Yeah, I, I think I, that might be that that older guy right. is a little and, too and, expensive. And, and it's just like, let's let's get some depth there. But I'm like, what man? 
If I'm Tyler, I'm not happy about that. You went and drafted a running back. I'm your running back. Well, he got a thousand yards last year, so there's really yeah. no debate. No, and he's getting paid. Uh, and look at Jamal. Even even if it didn't work out for the Falcons. Uh, if you if you run as hard as you do as, with Algier, there's a place oh, yeah. for there's you. A, he's he just you rush for a thousand yards, you got a place in the league if you stay healthy for a number of years. So. And then these running backs last for about three or four years, right. and then whoosh, out. That's right. So December twenty first, the Saints at the Rams again. That's Taysom and, and uh, uh, Williams against Kainakua. I think that's must see TV right there. Yeah, that'll be fun because I think Kai's going to find a spot. I think so. We, Cooper Cup and those guys and yeah. throw Nakua out there, and then the Falcons and Saints are back together on the seventh, and yeah, so Algiers back together with Hill and Williams, and we'll chart all that through the fall. Yeah. But it's just it's going. David Nixon uh, gave me a quote in the paper the other day. He said, "You know, now anytime you turn on a game on Sunday, there's a good chance there's a BYU yeah. player on the field." This and and, and Dick Harmon, who's going to join us shortly, just wrote an article recently about this group of BYU players and. They're not just roster members. These are contributors, like very visible, having impact an impact. Guys. Um, and, and if you didn't get a chance to read that, you can always catch DeseretNews.com. Great, great article that he wrote about that. Let's bring him in. Let's bring in Mr. Harmon as we go over some key dates. July 1st, BYU joins the Big 12. On the same day as the Stadium of Fire with Journey at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Big 12 Media Days, July 12th through the 13th. July 18th. NFL training camps open for the rookies. That's Hall, Nakua, Freeland, and those free agent signings that are hoping to find spots. After further review, kicks off its 10th season on BYU TV, 11 weeks from tonight. Just 11. July That's it. 25th. We're back in it. Yep. Well, and, and, and we're going to, it's going to work out because we'll, we'll do, it will lead right into this show. Yeah, it's right. going to be great. If you it's don't think we can be two places at one time, you're wrong. We, we, we can be. be. We August 3rd, the Jets and the Browns in the NFL Hall of Fame game. Taki Taki won't be on the field for the Browns. He's a veteran. Zach Wilson might for yeah. the Jets he now probably, that he's yeah, tobacco. He probably will be. And then September 2nd, Sam Houston is at BYU TV. Do you want to introduce our man? Yeah, let's go. First of all, when Dick sits down next to me, it takes me back. <laughs> be, because... I don't know if Dick even remembers, but you had a radio show that you were doing here locally, and I would come on from time to time with you, and and we used to, you would originate it from a restaurant, um, and and I would come in, you'd be like, come on in, let's get a meal, and and we'd get something to eat, and I'd get to I'd get to join Dick, and we would we would talk some football, and I don't know how how many years ago that was, but but we're so pleased. Do you remember those days? I remember those days. I remember Jim Man coming down there in his uh, green duster trying to find the studios out in the way out in the desert uh this is just crazy times but, uh, uh, I'm, I'm choking up a little bit but it's not because of you guys it's something environmental i've been doing yard work all it's day, the pollen uh, well we got if you need more waters we got more if you need a diet coke or a sprite or something we got that in there too so just let us know we the very informal we pollen's in the air it's that time of year and uh, you've so, been in the yard doing so, too much work so what so one year ago this month we started wise guys our first guests um was Dick Harmon, the, the writer who's covered BYU longer than any journalist on the planet. That's um, planet Earth. We're, we're so glad to have him. And, 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 and Dick and I go back further than that because Dick Harmon wrote the very first article featuring me when I was still in high school. I had committed to come to BYU. Elmira. I was back at Elmira Free Academy, home of Ernie Davis. Ernie Davis, yeah. The, the, the Elmira Express um, and uh, the Heisman Trophy winner, and and Dick um, contacted me and family, and wrote a really nice article um, 
uh, before I even got here, kind of paving the way for people to know who I was. And that's, that's, I don't even know how many years ago that is. That's, that's 1981. It's a lot. It's ancient. It's a lot of years. <laughs> so that, that's how long Dick and the I The amazing thing is all three of us still look so young. Yeah, that's, that's exactly that's right. Why I'm getting choked up. And then Dave McCann, I remember when he didn't have a driver's license, he was stringing for the Daily Herald and his dad had to come pick him up to take him to games. Yeah. That's how long I've known Dave. But you guys do a great job. I want to let you know, think about it. If you're in any other fan around in this region, maybe in the country, you don't have the opportunity to have shows like, like you guys have put on. Yeah. At the further review, the pregame, the postgame, and that. You don't have it. No. And I think BYU fans are so lucky to have you guys breaking down games, doing the interviews that you do, the podcast. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what you contribute to fandom in this area. Thank you. Most of our guests don't suck up until the end of the interview. <laughs> so we appreciate that's how we're starting tonight. Well, I've seen you guys sit before you shave, so I got I to put that out there. Yes. Which NFL game are you most interested in watching now that the schedule's out and uh, we know where the Cougars are? Well, I, I'd like to see all of them. The trouble is you got to go to church, but you can always uh, TiVo here and that. But I, I think Taysom Hill and uh, Jamal any game that they're going to be on, I want to see that one because yeah. both of them are going to be probably getting playing times and getting plays, and I think that's going to be kind of a fun thing to see. Um, I'd like to see Tyler Algier go up against uh, whoever. I mean, you guys talked about his 1,000-yard season. That's unbelievable for him to have that. And then Warner uh, against any team because, you know, he is the best NFL linebacker. Right. He, he's, is he the best defender in the national football? I mean, you could make an argument he's the best defender in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And you throw in his leadership, and and he's just such a valuable player, especially the 49ers. And to answer your question, any of them, I mean, it's kind of fun to know that you can probably, you know, tune in and see a game, and there's going to be a BYU player there. Um, You can't say that in years past. No. Not for a long, long time. Right, Mm -hmm. right. And that's, that's having an impact on the transfer portal, the quality of players they're getting. I mean, how how big a factor is that like I don't you know maybe we rank it or whatever how important is it that BYU put players in the NFL and that they're not just roster guys they're visible guys that people relate to how much does that help well it helps tremendously I think that's why Caden Slovis is here I think he looked at what they've done with the last two quarterbacks getting drafted and and being on TV and and having a chance and I think that Aaron Roderick and uh, Fessy Sataki have done a great job in selling their passing game and um, there, there was a time back in the Roger French days when you would have two linemen being drafted. And that hasn't happened for a long, long time. And I think you're approaching a time now where that's going to happen every year. So that makes it easy to make that sell. Wide receivers, maybe. You never have to be BYU receivers. Austin Colley was right. kind of a different uh, type of an animal out of BYU. But now you're going to see that. Defensive backs, you got them out there. Running backs, you got them out there. So Linebackers, you got them out there. Nose guards, you got them out there. What you need to do is get defensive linemen in there. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a position where I feel like BYU could turn the table on Utah because Utah's had a bunch of them drafted, and that's what they've been selling. Can't BYU tap into that same pipeline that Utah was tapping in, especially now with with uh, Sione Pua as the D-line D coach, Kalani as the head coach. Um, 
Isn't that a position where they they should get guys drafted? Yeah, I think the concept is changing now. Kalani, when he first came in, he got a lot of commitments from eighth graders and ninth graders. The trouble is, is that other teams from the Pac-12 and uh, yeah. the SEC and whatever they came in and they took them away with the promise of, hey, look what we're running, look what we're doing. And BYU at that time was doing the drop eight. I think this new concept of what uh, Jay Hill's bringing in will give an opportunity to say, okay, if you come here as a defensive lineman, we're going to play four guys down most of the time. We're going to have edge rushers. Um, your job is to kill the quarterback, and that's what we're going to coach, and that's what we want to do. That's the music to the years of a lot of these young young players. And they Tyler able, Baddies of the world, you bet. They weren't able to sing it. They weren't able to sing it the last few years. I, I, I feel like that's a position where they can be really good. And, 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 and to compete in this league, I think BYU can be a little bit like Stanford was for a period of time in the Pac-12, like Utah's been in the Pac-12, where – Oregon and USC, like, we're going to dazzle you with speed. And Stanford and Utah said, no, we're just going to beat the crap out of you. Like, we're going to be way better than you up front. I think BYU can do that in the Big 12, where they can say, no, we will dominate the line of scrimmage. That's how Wisconsin made an impact in, in, the, big, in, the, big, in the Big 10, right? Um, and they got on that, that role, you know, that role where every year Wisconsin had a first-round draft pick on the offensive line. Like, every year. So now if you're in the Midwestern United States and and you want to go to the National Football League and you're the top lineman, you go to Wisconsin. And so it gets rolling and then it sustains itself. So so BYU has Blake Freeland taken, uh, but that Brady Christensen who's a starter. Uh, uh, Kingsley's going to get drafted next year if he stays healthy. Eddie Ian could get drafted. All of a sudden... Connor Pay's going to have Connor a Connor Pay's going to be an NFL guy. All of a sudden, guys go, yeah, that's the gateway to the NFL. That's where I need to be. That's the portal to the NFL. That's the portal that matters the most. If if you can do that on the offensive and defensive line, everything else will just take care of itself. Because you get good quarterbacks here. So last week I wrote this article on on, uh, and suggested, I'm going to ask you this question, um, has BYU ever had more NFL impact players in a single season in the league than what we're going to have this fall? Now, BYU's had some great NFL guys. If you're arguing decades, then you can argue the 80s, early 2000s. But when you look at Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, Tyler Algier, Kyle Van Noy, Sione Takitaki, Dax Milne, Kyrus Tonga, Brady Christensen, Michael Davis, they're all starters. And then you throw in the Zach Wilson story, now as a backup to Aaron Rodgers and a handful of others. Has there ever been a time when, when it comes to impact players uh, and I didn't even mention Fred Warner uh, for some reason. Uh, when it comes to impact so players, obvious. that one was so obvious. I, has BYU ever had more in one single season? You know, I don't think so. And, and the reason why is really intriguing because back in the '80s and '90s, and when you played, you guys had some darn good talent. You got some great players, and you had great records. And you you played for championships almost every single year. You won bowl games. Uh, There's a national championship uh, there that you were a part of. You had that going for you. You have not had that the last 10 years of BYU football. So to produce this many guys having an impact in the league right now, that, that's phenomenal. It really because is. Because where does it come from? Where does that come from? Because it's not coming from the success when Lavelle was, was actually really ahead of his time and just killing people. You know what David Nixon said? He said it, it's the fruits of being independent. Because of exposure. There you go. Not one of these guys in the league ever played in the conference at BYU. Yeah. But they played on ESPN every weekend. And now here they all are on display in 2023. Where did they come from? They came from independence. That's a good and, point. And, and you, have to, you have to wonder, too, if now the record starts to catch up. But people think, 
oh, BYU can't even get to 500 next year in this new league. I don't. I think that BYU is better than people are giving credit for from a talent perspective. You go back to what, what Dick's talking about back in, and we usually don't go, hey, back when I played, but back in the olden days, um, you win championships because you got dudes, right? The guys, right? And so you think about during that little period in the 80s, at one time in the NFL, we had Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Kurt Govea, Leon White, Jason Buck, Outland Trophy winner, Muhammad El Oanibi. Um, like, like you could go over and over. Kyle Morrell was a starter before he got injured with the Vikings in a high draft pick. Um, bunch of guys from those teams all playing and all starters. That's really the last time you've had this kind of impact in the league is back then. And, and you were winning a national championship back then or top, top 10 teams, you know, that Jim and, and Steve quarterbacked, right? Um, so you have to think that this talent level, what they've been bringing in in the portal, some of the kids they've signed recently, as they upgrade that talent level, and we're seeing this, that that it's going to translate out on the field, and they're going to compete maybe sooner than we think in the Big 12. I think within the next couple of years, they're going to compete in that league. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, BYU grad Andy Reid's one win away from tying Tom Landry at number four all-time in victories in the NFL. It feels like, we know Andy and we love him, but it feels like he is so underappreciated as a BYU star because he was a lineman, I think. Um, he wasn't Steve Young and the Jim McMahons or whatever. But how significant is it for BYU to have a former offensive lineman about to become number four all-time in wins in the NFL, and that includes two Super Bowls? I think it's huge, but, you know, you, you got to look, too, at the way people look at Andy Reid. I mean, he's so respected. I mean, yeah. people really think a lot of him because of what he's done and how he's done it. And he's a good guy. He's a nice guy. Uh, and he knows his football. He's, he's come from Lavelle's tree, and he's kept that going, the relationship thing. The, he's a player's coach. He cares about people. And uh, I, I, I think that we underestimate the ability he has to impact BYU football behind the scenes right now. He's already been on campus several times to talk. We don't, we don't know exactly all the things that he's done, but I think that he has been very impactful right now with Kalani Satake. Yeah, and Kalani looks to him as a mentor. And, and bounces ideas off of them. And Andy's, Andy is always willing to give some advice or yeah. to, to talk to somebody or help him with a resource. or he, He's very involved. Andy he's watches. He's just so good. Yeah, Andy watches. And I talk to Andy from time to time. And typically we don't talk football. We just talk like how the families are doing that kind of stuff. Because Andy was a graduate assistant for quarterbacks back when I was playing quarterback. And, and, and we got a really good chance to, to get to know he and Tammy. He is an unbelievable human being. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable human. And you know what? He hasn't had it easy. Yeah. He's had as many crises as anybody else off the field. He's had challenges on the field. Uh, and he's just, he just keeps ticking. And then when it comes to football, he just keeps winning. Yeah. And you, you guys notice, I was trying to think if anybody has ever said a bad thing publicly about Andy in, in football. There was one former player that made a comment and man, did that guy get shut down. Because all the old former players and coaches around the league basically said, you're an idiot. Like, you can, there is nothing that can be said bad about, about Andy Reid. And how about having that kind of reputation around the league when, when the one time when somebody has a bad word to say, you don't even have to defend yourself. 
because every coach and every player that ever came through the, the Chiefs or through the Eagles immediately stood up and defended him. That, that's the kind of guy Andy Reid is. Well, he's going to beat the Lions on opening night and then tie Tom Landry there on that Thursday and get all kinds of pub, and he deserves it all. Yes, he does. And then uh, it helps when you have the best players, and so they, they should have, barring health, that great season. To be great, you got to know your X's and O's. You got to assemble a staff. You need Mahomes, and 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 you have to have an eye for talent, which he has had, because he's very integral part of putting those teams together. Yeah. So. Well, he's he's also kind of gone on a limb whether he's in Philadelphia and when he's at KC to look for BYU guys. He, yep. He yeah. has. He's given him a chance. He's given him an opportunity. He's a free agent or a real good look, and uh, and you know I. I remember back when he was in college, he wrote a column for the Daily Herald. It was called French, the French Legion. And he, was, he, he would write a column every each week about being a member of the, and, and, and Roger French's uh, guys. And it was, it was entertaining that. And I, I was just, uh, you know, just, just kind of a sports writer doing, doing other things, coming to the business, writing obituaries in my first job there at the Herald. But <clears throat> I don't know that he knew me. He knew Marion Dunn a lot better. But <clears throat> I remember like, it was like 20, 30 years later, I was at the Salt Palace. I think it was for Lavelle Edwards' birthday or something. Mm-hmm. But he was there, and uh, I was walking by, and I was stunned. He said, hey, Harmon, come here. Hey, enjoy what you're writing. Keep going. I'm, right, I'm reading it. And I'm going, what? <laughs> He's so awesome. What? But that's the personal touch that this guy yeah. has. I mean, I, I have nobody. But he, he made me you feel. You are somebody. He made me feel really important that day. That's just for nice. a second, just for a moment, just like, guess who? Lavelle Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, he, and Lavelle, is, his style is very similar to Lavelle's. A lot of the way he does things, the organization that he's set up. He likes to hire great people. And, and the one thing I noticed about Lavelle that, that Andy has is, any great leader has this, he, Andy is not afraid to hire people that he actually thinks might be smarter than him. And he's like, my job is to coordinate all of this. And I want to bring crazy talented people in and surround them with good players and then coach them up and let them do their job because he has no ego. He has had this unbelievable success and, and, and everybody respects that he lets them do that and gives them the freedom to grow and he'll correct them behind the scenes. And he, he coaches up the coaches, but his coaching tree is be, is becoming as good as any that's ever been out there because of that. And a lot of that comes from Lavelle Edwards and, and the reason I think Kalani reaches out to Andy and stays close to Andy is because Kalani also has a lot of those characteristics and also patterns the way he does things after the way Lavella did things and now the way Andy's done things. Yeah. So you've got to throw Andy in with this mix of talent in 2023, and I think it takes the cake as far as BYU influence in the NFL. And it appears to only be growing. Yes. And that's, that's what you want. Dick Harmon covers the Cougars for the Deseret News. He's on Wise Guys tonight. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Wise Guys, YSGuys.com. And you can read his work at Deseret.com and in the Deseret News. College football expansion is back like it ever went away. But now it, this day, it seems to really be charging back. You got the ACC in their meetings and they're, uh, today I read about an athletic director shouting at another one at the hotel bar and then had to be separated. Um, they're trying to figure out, can they stay together? Who wants to get out to the SEC and, and the Big Ten? And then you got the Pac-12 over here, still without a TV deal. Uh, is Colorado going to go to the Big 12? Is Arizona going to join them? Um, where do you see 
all this shaking out now that it has come back today. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of drama. It's, yeah. you know, it's given us something to write about, and it won't end. I mean, it just continually goes. The ACC thing right now, now that Louisville has joined in, I think they will have enough members, if, if I'm not uh, They need eight. Wrong. They needed eight, and they had seven, right? Do you get enough members? You can undo the contract and the commitment they have for the grant and rights, and they can be free agents. You can't do that. I mean, this what was it, 13 years that they signed up for? Yeah. But, uh, no, that, that's one thing that will happen. And if that bursts and uh, Brett Yormark uh, starts looking around and saying, okay, what about basketball? Let's take Duke or let's do this or let's do that or maybe grabs a couple of teams. What pressure does that put on teams in the Pac-12, which obviously now are probably going to get a, a TV deal that's far less than what they promised? Yeah. And it'll probably be in the mid twenties. It could get up to twenty six, twenty seven million per team, but it might be twenty or twenty one. Wow, and that would be ten million less at least, at 10 least million less, from the right? Big Twelve. And so they promised, they overpromised. They said it would be done soon. They've been wrong. They've been wrong. But they're keeping together. And I think the University of Utah is one of the one of the the, the entities that are saying we got to have this. I mean, don't this, they? Because don't they? Uh, don't they look to lose the most? Yes, they do. If that unravels. As a two-time defending champion, they do. And, yeah. and two times in the Rose Bowl. This is their identity. This is what they pressed for 12 years. And this is who they are. And if that goes away, then they're kind of stuck. And unfortunately, there are some fans, Ute fans, and I won't say all, but there are a certain contingent of them that get on social media and they're really made enemies of a lot of the Big 12 uh, media guys. And so that, that's been kind of hard because they've, they made fun of them. They said, we don't want to go there. It's a bit truck stop uh, conference and right. all that stuff. But now <clears throat> I think it's going to get to a point where they're going to get a media deal and it's going to be announced. And I don't know what the figure is, but then comes the second step. Who's going to sign over the grant of rights? Who's going to do that? You and, can't and, trust and, Oregon and, and Washington. Because well, no, Oregon and Washington look like they may have figured out behind the scenes how to pave the way, even if it's at a little bit lesser share into the Big Ten, which they'd be crazy not to go take that, right? Because right. it gives them financial security long-term. If you lose Oregon and Washington, the Pac-12 is... And, and then you know what happens? If you lose them, then the Pac's going to lose. And if the ACC goes at the same time, then your mark's going to be very strategic. He may take a couple of ACC teams and then say, well, now I've only got room for two Pac-12 teams. And then he goes and gets Arizona and Arizona State or Colorado and Arizona... Arizona mostly because of their basketball uh, franchise, and we, and we know he's going to take Gonzaga. Yeah, that, that's going to happen. And then, and so all of a sudden, Utah is left in a league that's not better than the Mountain West Conference, and that that's a hard thing. It actually will be the Mountain West Conference well, when you add SMU too. and yeah. Fresno and San Diego yeah. State. And the money goes and so, down. So, so, so who ACC, knows if yeah. the ACC, you know, splinters up, which looks like they're headed to, then what pressure does that put with the clock winding down for? For the Pac-12 teams to say, okay, is that offer still there? Yeah. It may not be there if the ACC, you know, and there's been talks. We know that Pac-12 teams, at least the four-corner teams and others, have had backdoor meetings with uh, your mark. Yeah. They've talked to him. They've said, what, let's outline what's going to happen. We need to have a backup plan. And as we've known from conference realignment in the past, you cannot trust your neighbor. You yeah, say you love no. them. You say you're with them. They'll sell you right out. U USC did that in a, in oh, a minute. Man. It, what, one thing that we've talked about a little bit that always gets overlooked is in the Big 12, it's not just about the initial TV deal. The, share, the revenue sharing from college basketball in the NCAA tournament 
is more significant in that league than any other league in college basketball. It adds millions on for each team. Right, the TV agreement's yeah. over a billion dollars. So, so maybe, now, two, maybe 10 million more than the yeah, 31. Right, and yeah. so all of a sudden, people are like, well, why are they talking to Gonzaga? They don't play football. That's just another top five team yep. in the league. That's another, like, next thing you know, the Big 12's got 10 NCAA tournament bids out of 14 teams or 16 teams. Why at Arizona? They're not good in football. They're really good in basketball. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament. That's revenue. So they bring they bring revenue with them. Why, you know, Dave, you mentioned Duke. You know, you bring a Duke or North Carolina, who maybe the Big Ten's not that interested in, but the Big 12's going, no. Hey, they're decent in football, but they're this. It's already the best basketball conference in 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 America, and it could be so far and above the best conference in America if you add a couple of key pieces, right? Yeah. And Utah used to be a, a big time basketball program. They just haven't been in recent years. That hurts them right now in all these. They're they're in a they're in a bad spot. They, they we've said that all along that they could be back in the Mountain West and a Mountain West budget really really fast. And and I know they're scared to death as as they should be. Tim Jackson's watching. Uh, from Citrus Heights in Sacramento County. Hey, Tim. And Neil Jones says, hey, we got to get the U of Arizona to the Big 12 so our family can attend BYU (laughs) games in Tucson. How likely do you think Arizona will join? I think if the splinter happens, and if Oregon and Washington somehow just continue to be courted in the way that they think they are, then it's done. And I think that Arizona is going to be the first team. Colorado, maybe, maybe, maybe Colorado and Arizona will be the first. You don't get anything from Colorado except land, but your mark has been looking for land. That's why he doesn't care if Utah comes, right? He's already got Utah as a state with BYU, which was the same logic the Pac-12 used. Well, well we don't need BYU. We've already got the well, state. Well, the Denver market is a big market, isn't, yeah. isn't it? In the top uh, 28 or 30? Well, yeah, yeah, it is. How, but I mean, how, we don't know how long you'll be there, but with Deion Sanders at Colorado, he's a draw right now. Right. People yeah, he, are interested, right? Right. Yeah. And they've been decent in basketball in recent years. And there's even been talk about San Diego State, who's been, been one of the premier basketball programs, I mean, especially this last year. But it's not like last year it was like, an, I mean, it's an aberration for them to play in the national championship game, but for them to be in the NCAA tournament and to win a game or two and to, you know, be nationally ranked in the top 20 and the top 15, they've been that for a decade or more. And their football program has been ranked three yeah. in the last five years. We so. love their basketball program. For one, they enjoy playing BYU. They're going to play again this year. Yeah. Uh, they've kept series. that together. Great series. Um, and, and football, you know, they've gotten, they've gotten more competitive. Well, and, they've got, and they've got name, name recognition. Like Brady Hoax, the football coach down there. And you've got, you've got Dutch, Brian Dutcher, who's the basketball coach, who took over for Steve Fisher. So there's some name recognition there. They're pretty convinced they're going to the Pac-12. Yeah, they, they. Well, now I'm hearing they're talking to both. Right? Well, they've always been. They've always wanted to be a Pac-12 team. I mean, that's been their legacy. Is please let us in there, have us yeah. in there, you know, go yeah. to the state legislature, and you know, let us in there. But I think things have changed now because if you let us in and we're a Mountain West Conference, well, good is if it? that's what it is. Then what, you if, know, if so. you're San Diego State and Oregon and Washington bolt to the Big Ten, and Arizona and Colorado bolt, maybe even Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado, maybe Big Twelve brings four teams. And 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 you're the fourth team. Do you stay in the do you stay in the Pac-12 or do you go? Oh no, I'll go with Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado to the Big 12 right now. They've got a decision to make. Yeah, that's a tough one for them. You got you got to figure that the AD and the presidents of these places are sitting there going, "Can we trust this commissioner who hasn't delivered anything yet, or should we just you know, hey, bills, <laughs> the bills are going to become due here. Uh, what do we do? We go for the sure thing." 
And, and if the sure thing is a deal with, with your mark, um, it's your job to do what's best for your school, not to do what's best for your neighbor right. in this game. And obviously, USC believed that going to the Big Ten was the best thing for USC, never mind the others. And, uh, oh, we need to take somebody with us, we'll UCLA. We'll UCLA. We'll save you, it's, UCLA. It's, and, and the whole mess tell, speaks of two things to me, and we'll get your comments on it. One, um, the trigger of USC changed the world of college football. Bar none. And two, the genius of BYU going independent and riding it out for those 12 years, put them in a position to avoid all of this. No, it's absolutely true. It's it's remarkable the position that BYU's in from what it was in 2010 when you had to roll out that Notre Dame series and make mm. it look really good and get people excited, and then Notre Dame kind of backs out, and then you're playing all these games in November that don't mean anything and the fans aren't interested. And BYU fans have suffered the last 10 years. They've been patient. They've been hopeful. They've been supportive. They've come to games. They've filled the stadium. They've filled the Marriott Center. They've done their part. Now they've been asked to pay more money for tickets, which they're doing. A lot of them are not happy about that. But, right. but BYU fans, you've got to be happy for them for what they're going to be rewarded with to have that logo on the Marriott Center floor and in the middle of the Llewellyn Edwards Stadium field and to have a Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas, and uh, at least for a short time, you're going to have Texas Tech and uh, TCU and, uh, and the Oklahoma State and Baylor. You're going to be going with those guys. It's a dream come true. And, and you're going to have Fox. You're going to have ESPN. ESPN and Fox. You're going to have you guys. You're going to have ESPN Plus, which you guys will probably, I think, would be helping out on a little bit, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. But you look, just have access. But, but you have access, and you've got money. And hopefully Tom Homo will feed the programs and, 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 and help Kalani Sataki and Mark Pope give them the money they need to keep the staff that they need, the support people that they need. If he's not doing that, then he needs to. And the, the care, care and call ought to be out. Hey, invest in these guys now. Right. You don't want to be chasing people and have people leave because you're not treating them right. right. So I'm just saying you got to do that, Tom Homo. You've got to do it. it, it it's, it's interesting to me. And yeah, and, and, and it's, we realize they're not until July 1st, but you know, they stepped up and got Kalani. They, the infrastructure, the pay structure, the, the staff and the depth of all the things that they're doing needs to be Big 12 ready right now. Yep. Even though the money doesn't start coming in until the end of this year, right? It's got to be done now. Yeah. And they've got to step up and do that. The grant of rights thing, you mentioned that, Dick, and I want to... It's interesting how these leagues... The ACC thought, and they were so forward-thinking back when this last contract was signed, that... The way we can make sure that this league never breaks up is we're going we're gonna to make everybody sign a grant of rights deal, meaning you can leave the conference, but we still hold your rights indefinitely. So if you're Duke and you go to the Big Ten, great. Every game you play at home, we still have the rights to. We still own it. And, and, they, and they said, well, there's got to be some kind of out if the league just implodes. And the league said, okay, let's think of a scenario that could never happen. If eight teams all at the same time decide they want out, well, that would be ground. That would mean that things have gotten so bad that that we'd have to um, that would have to dissolve the grant of rights deal. And I think we all thought there's no way ever the eight teams, but we're here we are. Here we are. You're on the cusp of it right we're, now. Where it could be that crazy that eight teams. Now, as you mentioned, the, the Big 12's done done this. The Pac-12, they're gonna want a grant of rights deal. That, that is similar to that 
to sign this contract. And I just don't know that anybody's going to sign it at $23 million. Utah will sign it. Yeah. But $23 million, if, if you're, if you're, a third of what the Big Ten's paying, and you're 10 to 15 million less than the Big 12. You can sign a grant of rights deal. Yeah. Sign up with that deal. If you're Washington State, you do. If you're Cal, Oregon State, Oregon and Washington won't sign that. They will not no. sign that. Not no. when the Big Stanford no. won't sign that. They won't sign it. So, so, so you, you're going to have the the media deal announced, and then the second step is okay. Who's going to sign their grant of rights, and then that's when the bomb goes off. Yeah, right. that's when right. you got to put it there. We'll, we'll look forward to that. We, we want to talk a little bit more about football with you, Dick. Um, ESPN, a handful of other national pundits, picks BYU to finish uh, near the bottom of the Big 12 in this first fall. What do you think about that? Well, I think they're looking at the, you, you lost your quarterback who's in the NFL, who signed a contract, like you guys mentioned. You lost your quarterback, and so what do you have? You have a guy that's been to USC, he's been to Pitt, he's been kind of here and there, and they, they don't know what he can do. And so I think they've discounted BYU because they don't know of the leadership position at the quarterback spot. And that, that's what you all do. You look at well, who's coming back, who's not coming back. Jaron Hall's not coming back. And so you look at that, and I think you discount what you think they might be able to do in that league, not knowing what you guys have seen. You've seen a practice. You've seen a practice. You've seen Caden. You see the, uh, the way he looks at the field. He looks at the defense. He knows what he's doing. He's polished. He's a pretty good leader. Guys trust him, and he's making plays. So they haven't seen that. We, we have seen that. We know what the offensive line is. It's going to be at least, I think, upper one-third of the Big 12. No question. I mean, yeah. you look at the guys that they have, and, you know, the most important position on a, on a football team, I think, is the offensive line. They set the tone. They make it successful. You get a, a, two, a, a, you get a, a goal line stand on the two, and you punch it in, and that's something BYU didn't do very good last year. No. But you do that, and you have the graders up front to do that. You can win a lot of football games by converting, you know, short-yarded situations, get in the red zone, get down there and do that. BYU's, got, I think, going to have that. I don't think that the writers and the ESPN and other people are looking at the grassroots part of what BYU's built for this upcoming season. So I think that's really undervalued. I think BYU can win um, six games, possibly seven. And, but I do think they're going to play a lot of 40% win chance games. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they've always done that in independence. I think any time you, you look when they played a Power 5 team, they're not, they're not favored. It's going to be and interesting. Yeah. When they go into Lawrence, Kansas and for the Big 12 opener and play Kansas, and they're kind of feeling good because they've started winning some games, uh, the Jayhawks. Um, but I wonder, we'll all be watching that super closely because uh, does BYU go in there as the slight underdog, but so much better than them? Is that where they make their statement? Or does it come later? Does it come when they go back to Texas? And the, and the Longhorns are high and mighty, and BYU goes toe-to-toe with them, and maybe they get them. Or does it come at the end when Oklahoma comes out? Well, there's a factor here that uh, I don't think that we realize how important it is, and we don't talk about it enough. And, and that is that in independence, you weren't playing for a conference championship. If you lost a couple of games, what you're playing for is rankings. And if you lost a couple of games, you're kind of out of the yeah, rankings. You're done. Yeah. You're done. And what does that do to the spirit and intensity in practice week after week when you know there's nothing at the end there except possibly some bowl game? But now the whole thing changes to where, you know, like, Blaine, you guys played for conference championships. Yes. You had that on the line. And one thing Lavelle did in November is he didn't lose. 
No. He was able to get his team ready to go into November and to win and to win championships. That's because the players were motivated. They looked forward to it. Practices were hard. You could keep uh, people, uh, you know, their attention and on, on focus. Those are things that have been missing the last 10 years. And I think that we underestimate the ability of that motivation factor every day in the life of these football players to play a part of what they're going to do. Dick Harmon's back on the Wise Guys as we mark our one-year anniversary month with a return visit with our very first guest. Speaking of the conference, what do you expect the buzz to be at Media Days here in about, what, eight weeks from this week down in Dallas? I think the Oklahoma-Texas thing will be hit hard. I think those guys, guys will be over in the corner and they'll be going, oh, yeah, we're leaving you guys. <laughs> what uh, is that for us? Uh, so that'll be going on. That vibe will be going on. Um, uh, I think probably TCU and what they've got because they played the national championship right. game and they got killed. So that would be a key story to be. And then all four of the new members, they're going to be there. Happy go lucky. They're going to be great. It's going to be a lot of high energy and vibe and comments from those people because they've been invited and included. But the thing that I'm looking forward to in this first year, if BYU wins eight games is to hear how old BYU's football players are. <laughs> yeah, we'll hear about that. that. Will be the mission trips. That will be resurrected, the mission trips. They're working out at Gold's Gym for two years, and they're coming back, and they're older, <laughs> and they're mature. That will resurface. That will resurface if you win eight games. Shout out to Glenn watching today in the Philippines. Yeah, Glenn Lumen. Like, is that Mindanao? Hey, I just went my, with Glenn. My question, Glenn, is um, what time is it in the Philippines right now? Because that's pretty awesome. Um, is it tomorrow already? We, we, get, we get Corey Yoshimura yeah. that always joins us from, from Japan. From Japan, that watches the show every week, and but it's like 10 a.m. in Japan. So we're interested. Hit us up, Glenn, and let us know what time you're watching there in the Phil, in the Philippines. And then, and then Sir Robin says, just down the road from the studio here. My question is to Sir Robin. This is an undisclosed <laughs> um, area that has security. <laughs> I want to know how you know you're down the road from the studio. <laughs> <laughs> GPS tracker. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. So 9 a.m. Wednesday for Glenn. Good so, morning, Glenn. Thank Glenn, you for being for with us. Thanks for watching us at 9 a.m. Wednesday morning. One thing on Tuesday night. we have not seen is the Big 12 basketball schedule, and that might be September. We kind of thought it'd be earlier just because of all the newness, but typically they release it in September. We'll know the non-conference slate before that. Um, I really like what Mark Pope's done in the portal to, to bolster this group. Uh, what do you think? One thing, shooters. I think he's got shooters. And he had to have shooters. Because last year, he, they were so they up and shooters, down. Yeah. They didn't have shit. You know, and you couldn't close a game out because people couldn't make a shot. I think what he's done is to gone, he's gone out to, hit, to hire some guys that can make shots. Both at the line from the three-point line, but not only that, but create their own shots. I think the second thing is, I think the big man that they're going to bring in, the Prince Khalifa. of Egypt. Yeah. I think his passing ability. How many times did you see the ball go into Foose or, or whomever, and it just gets bounced out? Got stuck. It just got stuck, or he got lost, or it went out of bounds, or there's a turnover. Foose was, you know, and Foose is a good player. But this guy's going to be able to get the ball to him. He's going to be able to draw attention outside because he can hit the three. I mean, the whole thing's going to change. Could it be the, the end of double teams for Foose? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I, I, I keep saying, Dick, that. I love what they've done. They picked up some guys that can shoot, they can defend on the perimeter, which you have to have in this league. I, I'm hoping they can find one more big for some depth on the front line. Do you feel like that's still a need? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, you look at the rosters in the Big 12, you look at the way that they play basketball and how physical they are, and they're rolling out 6'10", 6'11", guys here and there, three deep. Shooting threes. They just go, yeah, they just go after it. And they just beat the living daylights out of people. So you got to be stronger, you got to be physical, and you got to be able to give fouls away and bring another guy in that could give you another five in defending, and that's where it's wanted. you got to stop people. And the next, you know, the next league. Women's soccer and volleyball put their schedules out today in the Big 12. Uh, we're going to go over them in just a few minutes. Um, did you ever see a day when BYU would have a schedule like this with these Big 12 teams all up and down the place? I mean, you've covered the Cougars forever. Did you ever see the day that we've arrived at? Um, I was hoping back in 2010 when things changed. That be, I, I know that never get in the Pac-12 like Utah did. That that was culturally not a fit. Mm-hmm. If you look at the left coast and the politics and everything and mm-hmm. proposition, whatever it was, that I mean, that just didn't ring a bell. But I thought that they would get in the Big 12 someday. They almost came close back in, in the early 80s, late 80s. They almost did. But but they, they're, a, they're a fit here. I think the teams, the people, uh, the culture that you're going to look at in the Midwest and, and the type of fans that you have. And, and, and the other thing, maybe, maybe it'll end soon, but I think the fans in the Big 12 really like BYU. And they respect them, and they're anxious and excited to, to come to Provo. They've heard a lot about it. Some of them have been here. And I think that there's a vibe out there that this is going to be a league where people care about each other once Oklahoma and Texas are gone. And they're going to watch each other's back. We had Michael Johansson, the director of alumni relations, on with us last week talking about the service projects that are coming to all those cities. They're going to love BYU. They might hate the football team at some point, but whether or not shoes and food and literacy and all these programs are like, why are you, we're just playing football. Why are you guys doing all this? Uh, and, and we didn't know there's so many of you that actually live here. I mean, that's just going to be a game changer. Yeah, and we were talking about the comment he always hears when they're in these communities and they're doing these service projects that they've, they've, it's given BYU so much visibility um, these last couple of years. He says, the commenter is always, man, you guys travel better than any team. And he goes, no, we actually <laughs> don't travel. All these people live here, like are within a few hours. And they don't believe that. And he yeah. says, so we, we have a, a, well, you, you can see from the show here, we got people down the street, but see? we also have them. Over in the Philippines, and we've got them in Japan, and Stephen Marks is watching up in Olympia, Washington. There are BYU fans all over the world, and there, there are big-time BYU fans all over the Big 12 footprint. And so they're going to show out, mm-hmm. and they're going to be courteous, and they're going to be kind to their neighbors, um, but they're going to do good things in those communities when BYU's in town, and I think that's going to do a lot for BYU and their reputation in this league. I think the sky's the limit for here in 2023 to make first impressions. Uh, in college football in these cities that have been around forever and and it's coming so forecast five years down the road from today what will we be talking about in regards to BYU and the Big 12 I think we'll be talking about a struggle in basketball uh, still and I, I think that the recruiting is going to have to be you know really really good and it's hard it's it's really hard the, I think the portal is going to be a good thing for Mark Pope I think down the, the road to be able to get the uh, um, Guys that will only be here maybe a year or two, that's probably a good thing for a lot of them that they can get in here. And so we'll be looking at that and the success of that. And football, I think, will be surprised at how well BYU does in five years. Really? I think once they're recruiting with Big 12 badge on their, on their, on their hat and on their shoulders, 
And you have that calling card, I think it's going to help. Now, BYU still has got restrictions. They're still not going to be able to get a certain... The honor code is always going to be in. Well, be there's academic limitations as and well. Academics. It's hard. Like, yeah. There's, yeah. there's hard. some places that academic are like, oh, well, yeah, we can get you in. Don't worry about that. That still happens. That yep. does not happen at BYU. Yep. I mean, we, you know, Blaine and I have talked, you know, many times about people that have been highly recruited uh, across the country that have got into schools. Won't mention names, but they've got into schools and, and they couldn't get into some other schools. Yeah, we, we and, in fact, there's been, and we, we don't mention names because we don't want to belittle anybody, but there's been, there have been some high profile LDS athletes over the years that Dick and I know about and you know about, Dave, that, that people come to us and we're not going to de- degrade anybody either, right? So we're not going to comment and even if we know, and they'll be like, I can't believe that BYU couldn't get that kid. All right. And the kid acts like he didn't even recruit him. And what we know behind the scenes is they don't have the academics or they don't, they're not a good fit. Um, but, but a lot of times it's, man, we, we can go and the university can, can take kids that maybe don't have a 4.0 and a 36 on their ACT, but they're, but they can't take below a certain level because they know that they won't survive with academic rigors here. They have a formula. They can project right. that you will not make it. Right. And so they just won't take those. And so then on the back end of that, we hear, well, BYU didn't even recruit this kid. They did a terrible job of recruiting him. And we'll talk behind the scenes and find out. It's like, well, guys, we love that kid. We want him in the program. But we, we told him he either needed to go to a junior college and get his grades up. And we'd take him back or sit out a year and take classes or do whatever. And another school just said, oh, we'll take you right now. We'll just make an exception. And that happens more than people know. And so BYU's, they're not going to compromise those standards, the academic standards, the honor code standards. And so they're not going to get every kid, right? Not even every LDS kid, right? Um, but, but I think even with those limitations, what we're finding in recent years, I love what Kalani has said. He's publicly um, said, sometimes we look at those things as a detriment to recruiting. We need to turn that around. There are families out there that want their kids in a program that has these standards, and we need to make sure that those are the kids that we find, that we let them know that those are important things, that we're going to take care of them, that their kids are going to graduate, that they're going to get networked, that we're going to take care of them with NIL deals, not just the money we're going to give them when they're here, whether they get hurt or whatever. When they leave this place, they're going to have a network and they're going to be taken care of for the rest of their lives. Those are the kids that they need to recruit. And I feel like they're honing in on those kids. Some of these transfers they've gotten recently are big-time players, and that formula has worked to get those transfers. You know, I think it's a formula that Baylor's used in basketball. Yes. They've had They've had the recruiters go out and to talk to these single mothers who are black and, and disadvantaged, and they said, I know that you worry about your son. Have him come here. We're going to take care of him spiritually, and we're going to watch after him, and we're going to be sure that he's not going to all these parties. We're going to make sure that he's, 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 he's not drinking all the time and doing pot and that we're going to do that we're going to make that commitment to it and it turned like that for Baylor in basketball and they're they're now a top five team yeah well you look at BYU's all-time leading rusher Jamal Williams and then you just look at his mother absolutely his mother bought into that whole thing and said you're going here by the way (laughs) where do you want to go you're going here and it wasn't easy for him but he made it and he got through it and he thrived, and he left as the all-time leading rusher after a couple of speed bumps, and he just kept going. Tyler Algier, look at his mother. Yeah. And she raised him by, himself, by herself and, her, and his grandparents. 
Yeah, you got to recruit the families. You got to recruit. You got to recruit. The families. And we had Brian Logan on with us. Um, in fact, Brian subbed in for me that one 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 time in fifty two weeks. I couldn't make it, and Brian uh, filled in for me. And and Brian has talked to us multiple times about how unique BYU is. He's, he he calls himself a double minority. That's the term he uses to describe yeah. himself. Meaning, I'm I'm African American, and I'm not a member of the predominant faith. So I'm a double minority here. And he goes, and I thrived. And here's all of the reasons why it's a huge advantage. And I would recommend it to any kid in the same situation I am because you come out with a unique education. You're different than every other kid that went to San Diego State or Cal or wherever they went. And and these, um, the, the folks that bring you in here take care of you. Brian says, I, I feel like I'm part of this family forever. He says, everything that I'm doing with my business and everything I'm doing is because of the experience I had. And I'm like, dude, we need to put you on the recruiting trail. And he always says, recruit the families because there's something to sell here. And I, so I think BYU can compete with the right message if it's embraced and you go to the right kids. And there's yep. enough talent out there to compete. Look at Devon Blackman, too. Yep. Have you guys noticed what's happened to yes. him? Yes. He can't get enough of BYU's community. He's now he's gone on to Twitter and thanked BYU's alumni and the people around in this community for supporting him, helping him with his career. He can't get enough of them. Yeah, and, and somebody made out on, in the Twitter world a derogatory comment directed at BYU, and he immediately came to BYU's defense and said, that's not true at all. Not true at all. I, it, I loved it. It's so. our pleasure to have Desert News sports columnist Dick Harmon with us on The Wise Guys. How long have you been covering the uh, Cougs? Huh. I'd say about 44, 45 years. 45 years. Okay, now we're going to get into the really good questions, and we'll finish up. We <laughs> right. just have a few more. Appreciate having you here. But as you know, BYU's got a new president, Shane Reese, man succeeding Kevin Worthen. How should President Worthen be remembered when it comes to BYU sports? I think he's the pilot through independence. I mean, uh, it, he was not the president when they went independent, but it was his job to make it work. And I think building the foundations for an invitation to the Big 12 came under his watch. And there were a lot of social things that BYU had to do to show the Big 12 presidents that they were sensitive about um, underrepresented people. And they've done that. They've, they've established offices to take care of that. They've appointed the people to do that. And so I think he'll be remembered as the person who managed to get BYU set so that a Big 12 invite could come. Because when you talk about universities in this country, uh, they're very liberal. Right. And the academic uh, area is very, it, it's not so much of what we're used to in BYU culture. And so to, to really make a bridge there, he's been the person that has built the blocks that has said, okay, we understand what you guys are scared about with us, but this is what we've done to make it easy for you guys to invite us. So I think that that's the biggest thing that he's done. And I think it goes uh, under, under mentioned and appreciated by many people of what he had to do to talk to other presidents and other deans and other people on other campuses and, and sending the right people to go be the messenger for him in a way that would, the spirit would be taken in the right way. And, yeah. and it was. It was. It was great to have an attorney that right. was the president at a time when we were negotiating contracts as well. I think that that helped because he understood that and all of that. And also a former college basketball player who appreciates college athletics. Uh, Shane Reese is the new is the new president, President Reese. Interestingly, um, I want to just call him Shane, but uh, President Reese um, was well known as the, as the advancement vice president for being down in the Richards building just playing what I would call just like rat ball, just in the gym with the guys all the time. <laughs> 
And so I asked the guy, so Gavin, my my um, youngest son that that is an analyst in coaching at BYU, he would play, you know, Shane would come play with these guys all the time. A bunch of guys just go down and play in the Richards building. And I said to Gavin the other day, hey, did President Reese, is, did he stop coming to play rat ball? And he goes, you know, we were getting a little bit worried about him because, you know, he got all the announcements, then we didn't see him. He goes, but I got good news for you, Dad. Wednesday, he showed up and played. That's awesome. I'm like, he needs to keep doing that. So he stays in touch with the with the, you know with the feet on the ground. But he he showed up this yeah. last week. He's gonna be good. For 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 just pickup ball in the Richards building. And so he he's a he's a very um close to the close to the people type of president. I think he'll do a phenomenal job. And man, BYU's been in great hands for so many years with such great presidents. If if we think back over our time, um, we were going to ask you, this is a tough question. You ready for this? Six former BYU presidents. So so you've got President Oaks, President Holland, President Lee, President Bateman, President Samuelson, and then President Worthman. Those are the last six. Of those six, who would you rank as the top three sports enthusiasts? I would say Rex. Number one? I would say Rex number one. I think uh, because of the visibility of Samuelson, he used to be a Ute, uh, right? Yeah, and and I gotta hand it to him because he was front and center and enthusiastic and got the chant going. I I, I really respect that. Um, President Samuelson, number two. I, you know, I don't know if it'd be number two, but he's right there because of the visibility that he gave himself as a sports supporter of uh, you know all of the teams. I think Kevin Worthman has got to be right up there, probably in the top three. Uh, let's see. We're going back to Holland and Oaks. Yeah, we Did went Oaks and Holland, Holland too. Yeah. yeah. What about it's Oaks just, and Holland? It's just the top uh, three. Those were the presidents oh, of my okay. day. The, I think behind the scenes and what they tried to do to balance the honor code and what they needed Lavelle to do and to have the resources that he needed, those are stories that will never be told and be public. But I think that you've got to give them credit for working in a championship area and the, the glory days of BYU football. They found a way to make it work when they had – People like Alton Wade and others who were at the war with Lavelle Edwards in charge of the honor code. And those are a lot of untold stories there. But they found a way to make it work and give Lavelle what he needed, the, the reins that he needed, the length of the rope that he needed. Um, don't don't mess up. But I think you, you underestimate, and those guys, I think, were responsible for the glory days. So where do you put them? Four, five, and six? Uh well, are we talking about visibility? We're we talking about work behind the just, scenes. I mean, just, just, uh, just who loved sports I, the most? I would say President. Ho I, I don't know. I'd, I'd go President Holland number two. Yeah, President Holland loved it, I, I, and I, he still does. I, I think I think Rex Lee is number one. Yeah, yeah. It I was Rex just Lee in his blood. I'd, I'd put Holland two. I'd, I'd put Oaks probably three. I'd put. Uh, and President Oaks hired Lavelle. Yep. And yeah. uh, so he's, and he also approved the expansion of the stadium. Before he left, that's right. Those are big things. But I, I, I know. I mean, I'll share one experience I had with with Elder Hall, and I, uh, I, as you know, as you may remember, about in 1996, I was I I was instrumental in breaking the story about Roger Reed uh, being fired before he was fired. Mm. That's a pretty dangerous thing to do. Yeah. And I went on the limb, and it just happened the next 12 or 14 hours he was fired. But uh, since then, Roger's been gone. He's gone here. He's gone there. He's gone everywhere. Right now, he's taking care of his wife Diane, who has dementia and Alzheimer's, and he has to help her with every task. But I, I wrote a story about Roger, just in the last two or three years, and I got a note from Elder Holland, 
and how rare that was. And he said, thanks for writing about Roger Reed. I appreciate it, Elder Holland. And I'm going, what? Yeah, it's what? crazy. But, but that note meant so much for me because he recognized in the past things that had happened, things that yeah. were handled, mm-hmm. and he was crediting me. And I, I'll never forget that. So, yeah, let's move him up to two. Oh, you yeah. the, the note Wait, bumped did, him up to two? What note did you get? Did you get from President Holland? I got one from, from Elder Holland, yeah. From Elder Holland. Dave just got a note from Elder Holland yeah. just recently. Yeah, just a few months ago. Just uh, he, he said, we think alike, and he was glad I was writing for the Desert News. I'm like, okay, I'm going to use that as a reference point if I, if <laughs> he, I get in the jam. He, That's he, awesome. He and I um, got a long, long history, obviously. He was the president when I was playing, so... We rode on a lot of buses, and I, everybody always knew I got car sick, so I got to sit in the front of the bus. But that's where Elder Holland and Pat were always. So I was always visiting with them, and we, most people listen here, don't probably don't even realize that we had our first baby on the road. You do, you were there with a stick, but um, we were a month early. We were down playing in the Holiday Bowl against Missouri, and our oldest Kellen came a month early, and uh, and so we had him in San Diego, Holiday Bowl baby, national news and all that. Um, the baby was born the night before the game, um, left Brenda and the baby at the hospital, went to the game, um, borrowed Mark Bellini's car and drove and picked her up after the game. So the baby's like less than 24 hours old. And we drive out to North Island Naval Air Station and meet the team um, at the charter flight. And we carry Kellen up the stairs. They let us drive the car right up to the stairs back in those days. We get to the top of the stairs and Elder Holland's there. And he's like, hey, let me hold Jeffrey. Let me hold him. While you guys get settled in, and so we held him. So now Jeffrey, fast, call yeah, him Jeffrey. We call him Jeffrey. I'm like, I'm like, I looked at Brendan numbers. I'm like, did we name him Kellen? But evidently, he was supposed to be Jeffrey. But that's awesome. So now we fast forward almost 40 years. Like, uh, um, not this last basketball season, but the season before, he came to a game and and uh, we saw him. We went down. He he put his arm, arms around my neck. He's like, hey, do you remember that night? At that holiday bowl, when you came up the stairs and and I held Kellen, like he just remembered that, and he That's goes, awesome. "Man, that was, that was something," and I was like, "The fact that you even remember that that happened, because yeah. that was emblazoned on my mind that he was the first person other than Brendan and I to hold him, but he remembered it, you know." And he, see, he loved so, this time. Things that I'm talking about behind the scenes, yeah. the press doesn't know, the fans don't know, nobody knows except those who've been involved that way. So I say the. Behind the scenes stuff has got to been given credit, and you don't know the stories. Yeah, we don't know the stories. But I was there. I was doing an interview with with Elder Holland uh, for for Channel Five some time ago, and I mistakenly referred to him as President Holland because he was my president too. Then I corrected myself. And he goes, "President Holland is the greatest title I've ever had in my life." He <laughs> goes, so "Those BYU That's years funny. were the best." That's and so he funny. goes, "You can call me President Holland whenever you want." And uh, but you know what? Let's not overlook President Bateman. Yeah, some significant right. things happen with him in forming the Mountain West, which then led to independence, which led led to the Big Twelve. So some hard work had to be done to get out of that sixteen team yep. whack. He did, he did it. So, and you've had the chance, Dave, to sit down with Elder Oaks and with Elder Holland and with President Bateman, Rex Lee, because he pa- he's passed away. You got his to sit son down Thomas with, with Tom. And um and and do a lot of great work and you got to sit down with President Samuelson as well too didn't yeah. you Yeah, and President Samuelson married my wife and I in the Salt Lake Temple so I wouldn't move him close to the list because of that uh, and but you're right he from coming from the from the you remember the the swoosh thing started with him uh, swoosh he, cease. he found a way right. as a Utah guy to become a BYU guy and all of campus 
the students were all in with him. Yep. And I, th- I thought he was fantastic. Fantastic. Hey, no, they're all good. How, has, B, you? has BYU, when, you, when we think about these past six and now and now uh, Shane Reese, President Reese, gets to step in, that's some, that's some pretty lofty company right there, yeah. those last six presidents. We used to go to bowl games. I'll just never forget, we're playing Ohio State in the, in the Holiday Bowl in 1982. And they have this big banquet where they all get together. And, uh, um, and the president and the athletic director from each team spoke. And so Ohio State, this is not casting any shade on Ohio State's president and AD. They spoke first. And then Glenn Tuckett got up and spoke, the athletic director at BYU. And then, and then Elder Holland got up and spoke. And I remember turning, um, I think it was Mark Bellini sitting next to me. I'm like, I don't know if we're going to win the game, but our president and our athletic director just <laughs> kicked their butts. And that would happen every year. Yeah, yes. I mean, those yeah. guys were, like, like the way they represented the university, every one of these guys, at just the highest level was phenomenal. We've been really blessed with great presidents that have all, you just named, we, we've now named seven, right? Because, because you've got President Reese as well. And I can guarantee you he's going to be a great supporter. They all understood the value of the exposure um, of, of athletics at BYU and supported athletics. You know, one thing I like about President Oaks is he'll come to games, but he doesn't sit on the front row behind, uh, behind us with the president he's up in his seats in the crowd because that's where he wants to be and uh and 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 a lot of us this this generation that that's come along um well after president oaks uh administration don't know him more beyond the first counselor and the first presidency of the church or an apostle so it's always serious all the time but you talk to anybody who's around him and he's He's just like us, which is awesome because uh, he, he loves what he loves, and, and BYU sports has been a big thing. I'd move him up on the list because he hired my dad, so i got to yeah, move him. Maybe I'm moving him awesome. to number one. You, I don't know. You guys, we, we, we ran into Elder Oaks. Um, we had some friends. We were in Manhattan. We came around the corner where the temple is, and, and he was out in front of the temple with his daughter, Truanne, and I think Rock, her, his son-in-law, was there. And he was just like in a, like a little like derby hat. And a jacket, like not dressed up, no tie, and, and I thought, man, I would never, we never see, and and I, so I saw him, and we made eye contact, and and he goes, hey, what, Blaine, what are you doing here? And I go, hey, that's what I was just going to ask you, what are you doing here? That's awesome. And he says, well, we just have some family and some friends we wanted to show where the temple was. He goes, we're in town for a little dinner thing, and so so we thought we'd come over to the temple while we're here for a little dinner thing. I said, oh, that's awesome. And then I introduced him and he answered questions for the people we were with. He was just so gracious. So that night we're watching the news in New York City and Elder Oaks is being honored by the Beckett Foundation, um, an international honor at the Kennedy Center, um, honoring the, the three people in the world that had done the most for religious freedom. Wow. This wasn't, he wasn't in town for a little dinner, you guys. <laughs> Like this was a major deal, but to your point, that's how he is. Yeah, he's just like, just didn't like, no, it's like we're here for a little dinner. We thought we'd come here, right? And I just thought that's that's Elder Oaks, and that's the Elder Oaks that people don't understand. Inside uh, Center, seventeen seventy six, watching from Houston tonight, uh, said, "Hey, President Holland was the president of BYU in eighty four national championship. He's got to be number one." There you go. <laughs> good, good making that point. There you go. All right, we have two thought-provoking questions, and then uh, we'll cut you loose. Thank you for spending most of your night. We wanted to get you away from the yard work. And, oh, uh, and your, your allergies seem to have come back into control. <laughs> Everything seems to be right. 
Um, if you had a pass that absolutely had to be caught, which current NFL tight end would you choose? Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs, Greg Kittle of the 49ers, or Mark Andrews of the Ravens? Kelsey. Kelsey. Boy, you didn't, Travis Kelsey. Boy, you didn't even time. hesitate, and neither would I. I'm with you 100% on All right, that well, one. then give him this next okay, one. Okay, so, so now, same question. If you had a pass that absolutely had to be caught, which former BYU tight end would you choose? Gordon Hudson, Clay Brown, Dennis Pitta, Johnny Harleen, Matt Bushman, or Chad Lewis? I would say Dennis Pitta. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I saw games where he got his head taken off and he held onto the ball. Now, there's other been big plays that other uh, Johnny Harlan and John Beck. I mean, you look at that. I've, I've seen Clay Brown. I mean, they just outsmarted everybody and they just went curl in the middle and throw it seven or ten yards and they did that over and over and over again. Same thing with Gordon Hudson and, and Clay Brown. Clay Brown had the great big play, but I don't think he was the very best tight end that I've seen at BYU. But Dennis Pitta, if you look at the way he played and how he dominated, he, he couldn't be stopped. And he, he was great in the NFL, too, until yes. his hip injuries, right? And we've Absolutely. had Dennis on the show. Um, the thing I remember about Dennis was, like, I, I like to consider tight ends, I, I call them chain movers. When it's third and seven or third and six, like, those are the guys that are getting you first down. You just got to find the tight end. And I'm hoping um, this year, BYU with a healthy Isaac Rex, they find that formula again. There would be games where it would be third and seven. Everybody in the stadium, everybody on the defense, all knew that they were that Max was going to Dennis Pitta. Yep. That they they were going to go to their chain mover Dennis Pitta, like that Notre Dame tight end last season. Right. Yeah. And it didn't matter. Yep. They bracketed him. They doubled him. No matter what they did on third and six, Dennis Pitta was going to get open. Max was going to get him the ball, and he was going to make the catch in traffic every time. So I, I would I would agree with you, Dennis. Dennis is, is as good as BYU's ever had at catching the ball in traffic and just just throw it to him. It doesn't matter if he's open. He's going to make the play. I do agree. Dennis is great. <laughs> They're all good. They're all classics. I, I like Chad's catch radius yeah, of all the yeah. guys. And his out, leaping ability. He left out Chris Smith. I mean, what he did, he set an NCAA record. I left out about 15 guys. Yeah, <laughs> There's a lot of good ones. I just wanted ones. to give you a twister okay. on that. Uh, uh, Hey, we, 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 we began our interview tonight by, uh, by um, saying that you uh, are, have covered the Cougars longer than any human being on the planet, which is true, and, uh, and we, uh, we certainly appreciate it. It takes time, it takes relationships, and, uh, and you've, you've done it for decades and continue to do it, and now it's time for the big time, and uh, this has got to be a fun time for you. You waited a long time for the Big 12. I'm just excited for BYU fans, and I'm excited for you too. Look what you get to cover. Yeah, we're excited. Look at the interviews you get yeah. to have. Yeah, I know. It's you'll so do a fun. great job. Thanks but, for having me on. Thank you for being here. The original guest, <laughs> the the man that launched this show. Dick <laughs> Harmon. If this is our last show, just know you brought us in. You took us yeah, out. One year, one year <laughs> later, almost to the day, Dick Harmon bookends the first year of Wise Guys. Um, and we're so appreciative, Dick. You've, Thank you've you. been a great friend to both of us for so long. We're grateful. Thank you. Appreciate it. Johnny Rocks, by the way, threw in Todd Christensen's name. We could have gone yeah, all night on tight but, ends. But Todd played fullback. But he played, he played fullback, fullback here. He played fullback NFL tight end. Yeah, and a great NFL tight end. Thanks, Johnny. So. Thank you, Dick. Thank appreciate you, Dick. It. Be safe out there. And don't, you know, Allegra <laughs> is, the, is the drug. But my neighbor has a new thing called Morning Miracle. It's a little thing. You just put it's all natural stuff. I just mix it up in the morning. 
for the first year, and I'm not, he's not paying us anything, for the first year in probably a decade, I'm not miserable every day. Like, I have been miserable this time you of year. You mean miserable with allergies or just yeah, as Brett, a person? It's called, with allergies. I'm always miserable as a person. No, I have been miserable, like non-functional for about three weeks every year this time of year. Let's mix this little, it's got zinc and vitamin C, like all these natural things in it. And my allergies have not bothered me this year. Send me a link. Yeah, I'll send you. I'll send it to you. I, 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 it, it has saved me. The so. great Dick Harmon, Deseret News, Deseret.com, golf enthusiast. Thanks for being here. Thank we you, need fellas. to get out and play. Let's do it. Let's go play this summer. Right, Next so. week, Amber and Amari Whiting, the head coach and the four-star guard, uh, yeah. will be here in studio with us. Gennaro Guilford will be here on May 30th. And then in June, give you an idea of the lineup in June, Mitch Matthews, right. the man he's, who beat Nebraska. Be Fessy Sataki, receiver's coach. He had uh, recruits in town tonight. Harvey Unga, the running backs coach. Boy, he's got a lot to talk about. And then Sherry Dew, the, uh, an author, executive vice president of Deseret Management Corporation, the CEO of Deseret Book, the world's largest BYU fan. Is Sherry say she's, she's the world's be, largest BYU fan? I think fan. she is the most passionate BYU she's fan. A, she is an amazing, amazing She'll be woman. here in studio, and we're working for with uh, Tom Homo for that night, too. So that'll be a blockbuster just days ahead of BYU joining the Big 12. Right. That'll be fun. So that'll June's going to be awesome. Here on the Wise Guys. Now let's talk about some really cool stuff. Uh, women's Volleyball announced their Big 12 schedule earlier today. We're going to look at this. We're going to look at soccer. We've got some basketball news. All that we're going to give you here in just the next 20 minutes. So right. hang with us. But Women's Volleyball today, they're over there in uh, Egypt. Yeah, did you see the pictures? Heather Olmstead was live on BYU Sports Nation this morning talking about it they're on an overseas tour but it starts wednesday september 20th we're just going to run down these schedules and, and yeah. let's just soak them all in and we need we need to answer steven marks because what happened to asking the five oh questions? we did uh, we so, did five so so they the five questions we ask every guest that come on first time guests but, but remember dick this is the second appearance we've only had one other guest on twice so we've already asked no one gets dick 10 questions the five yeah and so that's why we asked them a couple of those tougher questions at the end so, so that, I, that's what happens Steve. We, we apologize you guys are used to that format but next week we won't ask coach whiting but we will ask amari yeah, we'll ask amari and that's yeah. kind of how we'll roll yeah, so thanks there, for the heads so up but we, we we appreciate the fact that you know what's coming tells us <laughs> you've been watching and we appreciate that a lot steven Let's run down BYU's very first ever Big 12 women's volleyball schedule. Wednesday, September 20th, Houston at the Smithfield House. The Cougars lead that series 6-5. to five. They haven't met since 2010. Yeah, and I, I don't have that updated one. And I thought we were putting it. We don't have a graphic, do we, of that? No, we don't. So you don't you have, have this update? No, I've got the women's soccer one. Okay, so I'll do volleyball, you, volleyball, you do, soccer. do soccer. Saturday, September 23rd, Baylor. Baylor leads that series one to none. Thursday and Friday, September 28th and 29th, BYU is at Texas. BYU leads that series 10 to 9. Texas is the defending national champion. Soc uh, Saturday, October 7th at Oklahoma. BYU leads that series so, 5 so to far, 2. So far, every game you've said BYU leads that yeah. series. Friday and Saturday, October 13th and 14th, Texas Tech. That series is tied at 2. Thursday and Friday, October 19th and 20th, Iowa State first meeting. Thursday and Friday, October 26th and 27th, at Kansas State, BYU leads that series 3-1. to one. November 3rd and 4th, Cincinnati, BYU leads that series 1-0. November 9th and 10th at Central Florida, BYU leads that series 2-0. Mm -hmm. November 17th, Kansas, BYU leads that series 3-1. November 22nd at West Virginia, BYU leads that series 2-0. 
And Saturday, November 25th at TCU, BYU leads that series 14 to 3. So if, if you're paying attention, and I wish we had a graphic, but if you're paying attention, there's only one team on their Big 12 schedule that they haven't played more than one game with, and that's Iowa State, right? Yeah. So Iowa State will be the only team that they're not somewhat familiar with that they haven't played in the past. And there's not a single team in that league that BYU has a losing record against. Right? Baylor, one to none. That's it. Oh, that's it. So Baylor's the only one, and it's one and a one-time meeting. Texas, as good as they are, they're a six-time defending Big 12 champs, so they're going to have to be unseated. Uh, they beat BYU on a neutral floor in Kansas in 2019. The year before that, you might recall, BYU eliminated the fifth-ranked Longhorns three to nothing right. to advance to the Final Four in 2018. Right. So we got a history of the Longhorns. So, so when Jen Rockwood Taysom says... Taysom Hill, by the way, was yeah, not on that team. No, and he didn't hurdle anybody. <laughs> Um, the, the point being when Jen Rockwood tells us, or, or when, when volleyball or Heather, tells Heather, us, when Olmstead, Heather Olmstead yeah. tells us, yeah, we, we'll compete in that league. When she tells us that, which she has told us, why would we doubt that? The facts back it up. Yeah, why would we doubt that with what you just told them? <laughs> There's no Oklahoma state on the schedule. They don't have women's volleyball. Yeah. Interesting. Huh? And, uh, and the big 12 does not have a conference tournament for volleyball. Right. So I think last year they got five or six teams in the NCAA tournament. They'll do that again. Uh, that is an awesome schedule. We wish Texas was coming here because, you know, them at the Smith Fieldhouse would be off the charts, but that's not going to happen. Uh, but that's a good, good schedule. Yeah, women's volleyball is a perennial Sweet 16 uh, qualifier, and and they're, um, they're a perennial top 20 program. They'll compete just Hey, I, hey Iowa State, October 19th, your first taste of the Smith Fieldhouse. Good luck. Yeah. That'll yeah. be something. So. Now, women's soccer also announced their schedule on Monday, and it's just as intriguing. Yeah, and 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 by the way, we mentioned again, because you mentioned a little earlier, Jen Rockwood, let, let's all, you know, prayers up for, for Jen. She had a hip replacement today. That's not fun. Although what, what I hear um, from my job that I, you know, I, I'm not a doctor, but I did stay at Holiday <laughs> Westlake. From what I hear from my other work, it's way better than having a knee. Done. When when you get a knee replaced, you hate your doctor for like six to eight weeks, and then yeah. you think that he or she is great. But the hip on the hip, about a week, you think the doctor's great. Awesome. So it's about a week. So she, I think Jen's going to feel be feeling great in about a week. And she'll join us in a few weeks yeah. when she feels better. So okay, let's go through this. Thursday, September fourteenth, um, TCU at home. BYU leads that series nine to one. That will be the very first Big Twelve competition. Of in program time, history. Right, on Thursday, September 14th. And that, that the last meeting between these two was uh, in 2018. So. Will, will, will Southfield be rocking that Oh, night? man, mm. it's going to be great. Yeah. Thursday, September 21st is at Baylor. That series is tied to 1-1, one, 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 but they haven't played since 2014. Monday, September 25th at Texas. Um, Texas leads that series 3-2, to two, but the last meeting was in 2012. Um, so... So even even though um, the the series is tied with Baylor and and Texas leads by one, the, these games haven't been played in a few years, and, yeah. and BYU's been really good in recent years. Thursday, September twenty eighth, Cincinnati at home. This is the first meeting. Now that's an interesting one because Cincinnati's here, and then the following night, the Bearcats are here for football. Right. So be, general conference you, weekend. Wouldn't you think that a bunch of folks from Cincinnati will make their way out for this first I think time so. game for those? I think those so. two? That'd be a great weekend. And they've been here before, so maybe maybe yeah. the. The Bearcats magic have played isn't here quite there. Also, but yeah. Monday, October second is at Iowa State first meeting. So for for women's volleyball and soccer, first meeting with Iowa State in both sports, right? 
Thursday, October 5th is Texas Tech at home, also the first meeting. Monday, October 9th, Kansas State at home. BYU leads the series 1-0, to zero, and, and that game was played in 2019. Thursday, October 12th is at Oklahoma State. The series is tied 1-1, to one, but they haven't played since 2011, so it's been, it's been 12 years since those two programs have met. Monday, October 16th is at Oklahoma. BYU leads that series 2-1. to one. The last meeting was 2016. That's a tough swing, Stillwater yeah. and then Norman. Yep, that's the 12th and the 16th. Then Monday, October 23rd, Central Florida at home. First meeting between these two. And they, they actually do have a Big 12 tournament. It's in Round Rock, Texas, outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. October 28th um, is the beginning of that Big 12 tournament. They're just back from their trip to Europe. One of four games, saw the sights. Yeah. Now they got this schedule. They got all summer to mentally get ready. Uh, so, it's coming. So, so volleyball was in Egypt. Yeah. And, and soccer was in Europe. Right. And you get to do this once every four years. So every athlete, if they come and commit and play for four years. Is uh, it four years or two years? I thought it was every four years. Maybe so. Maybe I, think so. One, I think you get to do one of these foreign trips per, per your time there. So well, basketball is going to jump on that bandwagon unless, unless you time it out right and you came during COVID and you maybe got one at got the, on a couple. Yeah, you might have gotten on a couple. Cougars are going to go to Italy and Croatia August 18th through the 27th, and uh, that'll give them a chance to gel with the new faces. Uh, that'll be big for them because yeah. the schedule is going to be massively tough, and so to get some games in and get the guys together and 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 in some competition and to go see the sights. It's That'll good. be a good trip. Remember, Mark Pope told us this last time they, they were able to do a uh, European trip. He felt that was instrumental in how good they were the last year because their chemistry was so good, and he felt it started on that trip. That's These trips are great for that. Great learning experiences. You learn on the road. Well, I mean, Brendan and I we always felt that with our kids. They learn as much on trips that we take them on as they do in school, right? So this is a great learning experience, but what a bonding experience for these teams. So this is pretty awesome. Tanner Toulson, since we were last together, entered the transfer portal. He's the son of former Cougar star Andy Toulson. A lot of guards on that roster. Yeah, and and so, uh, and you know what? We love Tanner Toulson and the whole Toulson family. And so when somebody decides to get in the portal, um, the right thing to do is if they, if they find a place they land, we wish them the very best. Sometimes mm-hmm. they make their way back here. Right. Jake Toulson. Jake Toulson, his cousin, right? You know, found his way to UVU and found his way back and was an integral part of BYU. So so you wish him the very best. You want all of these kids to, to have great success wherever they go. So we wish Tanner the very, very best. Morgan State announced that they'll be playing at BYU on Saturday, November 18th. That's the same day as the Oklahoma-BYU football game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We love doubleheader yeah, days. Doubleheader days. This is one of them. Uh, it's interesting because... If Oklahoma's in prime time, then the basketball game will be in the afternoon. They won't go head to head. Right. And 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 if it's a day game, which I think in on November eighteenth everyone Should would be, vote yeah. for, then basketball would be at night. Yeah, and, and and who knows what you and I will be doing? Well, we know one thing: for the Oklahoma game, we'll certainly be doing a two-hour pregame show and an hour post-game, post-game show. show. And then there's a chance we could be heading up the road uh, um, for an ESPN Plus game with yeah. Oregon State up there. So. Hopefully, will be, be a big it'll day. be a long doubleheader day for us. We hope. Yeah. yeah. So, um, how about the dates of the Vegas showdown? They're set for Thanksgiving Day, November twenty third and twenty fourth. Um, BYU, Arizona State, North Carolina State, and Vanderbilt. This is all at the Mandalay Bay Event Center, which is a fun environment to play in. So, Mandalay Bay is one of our favorite properties down there. We we used to go to Vegas 
every Thanksgiving for a number of years when our three boys were playing football for the National Youth Football Championships yeah. in Vegas over Thanksgiving every year. So if you're if you're taking your kids down, I to don't the, know if the wave pool will be on. If you're taking your kids down for that, <laughs> make sure you get tickets. Uh, to the Vegas showdown um, and watch BYU and support them while you're down yeah. there. Yeah, if, and if they do have the wave pool on, to bring a wetsuit because yeah, there's, there's soccer chilling. tournaments that weekend. There's basketball tournaments that weekend. There's football awesome. tournaments that weekend. Vegas is a great youth sport. It'll town. be on TV too. We're just not sure yet. We'll we'll keep yeah, we'll, you we'll, we'll up keep to you date posted. on it. Um, how about baseball? Uh, they sit at 22 and 27, 11 13 in WCC play. They won their series at Pacific th- uh, two to one. How about this 10 unanswered Last week, yeah. To, to beat Utah last Tuesday, 13-7, to win the season series 2-1. to one. They were down 7-3 to three in like <laughs> the seventh inning, and then they just flipped the Came switch yeah. and, uh, and, and took down the Utes. So here's the West Coast Conference tournament scenario. This is the final week we're in of the uh, conference play. BYU, as mentioned, 11-13. Santa Clara is 14-10. BYU hosts Pepperdine. Santa Clara hosts Gonzaga. If BYU goes 3-0... and and Santa Clara goes 0-3, BYU goes to the tournament by virtue of the tiebreaker with the Broncos. That's the only way they get in. That's it. It's been a tough season for a variety of reasons, whether it's pitching or hitting or hitting or pitching or fielding or or pitching or or hitting. Or injuries early. Or injuries. They had a bunch. The scenario is... You got to win three, and they got to lose three. Three and oh, and three. There's a chance. Not what needs to happen. So Thursday, Pepperdine at BYU, six p.m. Mountain Time. That's on the BYU TV app. Are you calling that one? Friday night, yeah. Friday night, six o'clock Mountain Time on BYU TV. Calling that Saturday, yeah, and Saturday at one. Mountain Time on BYU TV with me and Gary Shidey and Jason Shepard. All, all three. You got them all. We're going to have great weather for all three games. We haven't had one hot game all year So I feel because bad, of like, the weather. Brendan and I have been making a point to support all the sports. We've been to gymnastics meets this year. We've been to volleyball games, men's and women's. We've been... Um, uh, we, we've been out to watch the Cougar golf team. We were trying to get to all of them. I have got to get to a baseball game, so I think this is the week. You got three. You, you got three any, opportunities. Do you have any ins? Can I... You can get me a good seat. <laughs> you, yeah. How about you bring your pass and come up and you can announce okay. some of the game with us. I'll help. So, um, Softball is 32 and 16, 11 and 4. We thought their season was over after they went 1 and 2 at St. Mary's for the second straight season. LMU wins the WCC championship. They're going to the NCAA tournament, but BYU is going to play. Yeah, they got an invite to the NIT of softball, the National Invitational Softball Tour. So I guess it's the NIST. Something like that. Right. Um, in Fort Collins. So the Cougars uh, are part of an eight-team field. So not a big, big tournament. And the Cougars begin play this Thursday against San Jose State. So they're still going to play. That's Good awesome because they're now getting ready for the Big 12. Right. And so every game, every, they're a young team. They'll take all the games they can muster. And they had, they had a hard time with injuries too. Yeah, they did. You know, and, and uh, so they get a chance to finish, finish strong. BYU golf. The team moved up to fifth place. At the NCAA Regionals underway in San Jose, they're eight over par, two shots behind fourth place Pepperdine, five shots ahead of California. That's significant. The top five teams from the regional advance to the NCAA championships. Final round tomorrow. Right. And and Dick Harmon, who follows golf way closer than we, I mean, we follow it, we play it, but we... I, but, you know what I do? I hunt golf. I hit and then I hunt for my yeah, ball. We, That's what I do. Yeah, I, I did see Dan Forsman today, by the way, yeah. our good friend who's been on the show, and he, he looked like he was hitting it pretty good out He's on the range. He's always hitting it good. But, but um, 
Dick Harmon, we said, what do you think? And he goes, yeah, he said, he said, he says, I don't see them dropping, you know, they may move up, move up even a little bit, but he doesn't see them losing that fifth place and sees them advancing to the NCAA tournament. That's a good so. team. They struggled the first day. Yeah. And they, they've uh, come back. Bounced back so, today. Uh, women's golf, uh, Alicia May Mateo finished 10th in the NCAA regionals. Uh, she ended her season with a birdie. So that's a good note. Mm-hmm. You finished with a birdie. Makes you want to come back and play. Um, up next for Kerry Roberts in the golf program is the Big 12. So they're now that they're done, they're officially in the Big 12. Anytime a, a season is finished, we're like, well, they're, they're in the Big 10 or in the Big 12 now. Um, Pepperdine from the WCC advanced to the NCAA championship. They were the best team, and, yep, and even Kerry told us that yeah. too. They were just they were just the best team. Loaded and deep. So speaking of golf, Johnny Miller named the 2023 Bobby Jones Award recipient. It's the highest accolade from the United States Golf Association, recognizing sportsmanship and respect for the game. He played at BYU way back in 1964 mm-hmm. and 19- through 1968. Uh, first golfer at BYU named first-team All-American. And he, and he started a run for BYU golf back in the, in the 60s and 70s and even into the 80s where, where BYU's are really one of the top golf programs in the country. Yeah, and he lives in Heber. He's retired from NBC and uh, uh, greatest golfer ever come through BYU. Was not part of the championship team in 1984. Bobby Clampett, I think, was. He might have even missed it too, but I think Clampett was. But uh, Carl Tucker and that group won it. I believe it was 1981 is when yeah, they won yeah, the national was, title. Yeah, you're right. 81. 81. All right. This day in history, we'll wrap it up with some cool stuff. Yeah. and uh, But it's been a fun show. Makes, it was great yeah. to have Dick Harmon uh, here. Dick, uh, and when I think of Dick Harmon, I just think of BYU sports. Like, yeah. he is BYU sports. Mm-hmm. He's covered every sport for as long as I've... Yeah, all our lives. As long as I've watched BYU sports. So fun, so knowledgeable. He's been such an insider for so many years. And uh, it was just so great to have him on. On this day, May 16th, there's a lot of things that happened. Yeah, in 1860, uh, the, the Republican convention... Selected Abraham Lincoln as his candidate for president. That's old school right there. That's We're going big way time. back. Yeah. 1866, the U.S. Congress authorizes the nickel, the five-cent piece. Yes. They made the nickel. And I'm, I'm ready for them to get rid of the penny. <laughs> yeah. Can they get rid of the penny? You shared those feelings like, before. There's no use for a penny. So, um, 1876, pharmacist Charles E. Hires introduces Hires Root Bear. He's a pharmacist <laughs> he introduces this at the centennial exposition in philadelphia um, who wonder who knows what well, chemicals he put it, in centennial there. they're celebrating the independence 1776 and 1876 and he, and he launches one of the greatest things ever <laughs> root beer 1927 the u.s supreme court rules bootleggers must pay income tax if you're going to break the law you're going to pay income tax. pay some tax <laughs> <laughs> so 1981 the song Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes reaches number one and stays there for nine weeks. I love that song. And, and Kim Carnes had that kind of raspy voice. Raspy she got voice. Betty Davis even, eyes. even a little more raspy yeah, than that. Yeah, I can't even do it. I, 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 I didn't know, know who Betty Davis was My growing up. My allergies are so well managed, I can't even do, I can't even do Kim That's Carnes That's good right stuff. Now, so. I was, uh, I, that song, whenever it comes on the radio, you just, you, just, you turn it up. Yep. You, you, Absolutely. you turn it up. And the 84, another big time song, Prince. Or the artist at that time, formerly known as Prince. No, I think he was still I, Prince. Was he still Prince? Then he went the artist formerly known, and then he went back to Prince. He releases When Doves Cry. That was all right. I didn't love that song. I like the other ones on the album better. This is what it sounds like yeah. when the doves cry. There was that a video do, where he's riding do, do, his motorcycle, do, do. or was that Purple Rain? That's Purple Rain. 
All right, on this day, May 16th, 1985, Michael Jordan is named the NBA Rookie of the Year. And by the way, we don't do a lot of movie reviews, but I, if you haven't seen Air, it's, it good? It, it's intriguing. Yeah, it's really good. I heard it was good. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, go see it if you haven't seen it. We, our whole family enjoyed it a lot. It's a great, it's a great story of Michael Jordan and Nike. And it's a story of Nike and how they became prominent yeah. in, in the world of sports, in basketball especially. So, Rookie of the Year, Michael Jordan, 85. 1986, Top Gun is released in U.S. theaters. We also highly recommend Top Gun. We highly recommend Top Gun. I was on my mission. I had to wait for two years. I heard about it because we were covering, you spent time at the University of Texas Student Ward and all that, all the people are same age and stuff, but waited two years to see Top Gun. It was good two years later, and Top Gun Maverick was better. So good. Rarely is the sequel better, but it was better. better. They're both great. On this day... May 16, 1986, Bobby Ewing returns from the dead on Dallas. Yeah, what the heck? What a stunner. That was a stunner. It was the first time, uh, and I was into Dallas. I was on my mission for this one, too. But it was the first time that a soap opera just erased the whole season and went back to the scene before Bobby was killed and just picked it up from there. Yeah, it was was quite... Disturbing, <laughs> but it saved the uh, saved the show. <laughs> Jr. needed Bobby because they needed to fight. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, on this day, Bobby Ewing returned from the dead on Dallas. On Dallas. So um, May sixteenth birthdays, Liberace, nineteen nineteen, one of the great pianists of all times. I, I never he, his famous line. I wish my brother George were here. That's what he used to say. That's what he used yeah, to say. <laughs> the unbelievable, flamboyant. Uh, you name it. What a great entertainer. 1953, Pierce Brosnan, James Bond. Yeah. He was born on this day. Who was your favorite James Bond? I, I actually like Daniel Craig as James Bond. I like him there. Um, and so... You know what I like? The gadgets were better as as yeah. movies got better. I, uh, Sean yeah. Connery was great. And I great. thought Roger Moore, he was like yeah. the James Bond was, of our high one. school days. I I actually, if I'm going to rank them, I'm going to go number one for me is is going to be Daniel Craig right now. And then, I'm, then I think Pierce Brosnan is my number two. Really? He just has that air about him, that arrogance that he needs to have. Roger Moore was was pretty good, but he was an old James Bond. Yeah. When you see yeah. the when you see those shows. But those were the ones who were coming out when we were moviegoers. Yeah, yeah. But I think Daniel Craig, um, he'll be tough to replace. Yeah, we'll see who they come he's up great. with. So, and he, they've got to replace him unless he pulls a Bobby Ewing. It's been done before. Because he was dead in the last one. <laughs> it's been done before. But, but if if not, you know, it's been done, and so whatever. Anything can happen. In Dallas the was such a great show. Yeah. So 1966. Oh, wait, don't skip 55. Oh, 55, that's right, because this is very, very important. Jack Morris. The Jack Morris. Yeah. BYU's Jack Morris. 75 to 76 at BYU. Four-time World Series winner, five-time All-Star, 254 games one is a pitcher, the first Cougar inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in 2018. Yeah, how can Big we forget time. Jack Morris? Jack Morris, born yeah. on this day, 1955. And then Janet Jackson was also born on this day, 1966. 1966. She has her own street cred. But Jack Morris, Jack Morris is a is a Coug. Jen, Brenda and I went with, in fact, we went with Steve Young, Lee Johnson, and that whole crew to Rhythm Nation tour with Janet Jackson back was in the good? Oh man, that what an entertainer. Yeah, that whole family. Do you have awesome. a favorite Janet Jackson song? You don't really follow her. Uh, really. you know what? I'd I'd, rec- I'd recognize a whole Escapade, bunch of them. Escapade, um, Black Cat, um, Rhythm Nation, 
Um, when I think of you, like she's got a lot yeah, of really good she's ones. Got a lot of good yeah, ones. she's got a lot of good ones. So. Uh, May 16th, one death. Well, there, there were more people who died on May 16th, but notably in 1990, Sammy Davis Jr. Yep, Sammy Davis. And one of the great entertainers of all time. His quote is part of our wise guy's inspirational quote of the week. Right. So Sammy Davis says, real success is not on the stage, but off the stage is a human being and how you get along with your fellow man. That's Sammy Which Davis. Sammy Davis, the candy man. Next week, Amber Whiting, Amber Whiting, and Amari Whiting. I'm excited to have the two of them on. That's going to be We're fun. We're going to see a little mom and daughter dynamic and then coach and player dynamic. we got to come up with a competition. We'll have to think. Maybe some like trivia or yeah, something. Yeah, because I'm, I'm telling you, I know Amari's competitive, Yeah, but Amber's super competitive too. <laughs> so this is going to be fun. Podcast will be up tomorrow. Share it with your friends. Please go to YouTube. And sub- hit the subscribe button. Help us build our show. Wisguys.com. You can click on a button there and get our email weekly since highlights of the show. Um, and that way you can stay in contact with us. I'm going to be hosting Sports Nation on Thursday and Friday with Jerem Jordan. Spencer's got a few days off. And then, of course, we got baseball Thursday, Friday, yeah, and you have Saturday. A busy week. I'll show up to the baseball game. So when you're done playing golf and suntanning, why don't you come on over? No, I don't. I, I don't know if I have a chance to play golf the rest of the week. <laughs> so Hey, thanks, uh, Dick Harmon, for being with us tonight. Uh, so much going on with, with Cougar Nation. Love the Big 12 soccer and, and volleyball schedules because it just makes it real. Yep. You and I have already turned the page. BYU's in the Big 12, but officially July 1st. Yeah. Officially. And this baseball series, by the way, is the last blast. Yeah. Of, of BYU any, in the and, WCC. And any, and any WCC Everything sport. else is done as far as BYU playing a WCC yeah. Independence game. Independence football, over. Yeah. Right? Over. That, that was, that's been long over. Yeah. Uh, and now this will be the last WCC competition. A little bittersweet because you know what? The WCC, as excited as we are with the Big 12, we should have a little tip of a hat of gratitude to the WCC. They've for, been awesome. They've been amazing. And the commissioners have been phenomenal to work with that and you and i have had a chance to go do that wcc tournament all we worked years. with all of them yeah. um uh gloria who's now in the pac-12 was awesome to us all of those years i mean we could go back the jamie w- zaninovich yep. just started with him yep and he was phenomenal to us yeah. you know um and and so you know we we should um not just act like, hey, you're going to the Big 12, good riddance, because the WCC has been a phenomenal partner and great to BYU and very gracious for a number of years. We and let's be, be honest, there. we're going to miss those trips to Malibu. Yep, Ab- absolutely. Stillwater, Lubbock, even yep. as cool as Austin is, it's not Malibu. Yeah, Malibu's pretty sweet. WCC's been awesome. Well, so we'll finish up business with them over at the ballpark yeah. later this week, and, and Con- we'll see and you I, next I, week. I left out Connie Hurlbut, who's the yeah, acting commissioner, right. and took care of us at basketball and was there again this year. Like, they've all been phenomenal. Let's let's make sure we note that. We've been very fortunate. And so we march on. Have a great week, everybody. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, we're the wise guys. See you next week for more with the Whitings. we fun. Yep, we'll see you next week.